like there's gonna be a brawl. You playing something good? Hell yeah! Rolling Stones, street fighting man, G. Sevens. You just hit G eight. If you like King and Coladas, bring it out. Hello, and welcome to a pina colada guzzling episode of Vertigo Voices. Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yeah, that opening there has nothing to do with what we're doing today. Uh, That's just a, a little, little joke. It's from the movie uh, Dirty Work. <laughs> Which I have not seen, yeah, but apparently I need to. Yeah, exactly. it's pretty good. Uh, Norm MacDonald, back in his prime. Pull one out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be watching the movie um, V for Vendetta, because this is the week of the 5th of November. Remember, remember, the V for Vendetta. Is that how it goes? Something like that. Yeah. I, I, I think Eleanor wrote that. Um, <laughs> they probably did. Like 150 years ago, or yeah. 200 years ago. Whenever. He is timeless. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, we're watching uh, V for Vendetta today based on the graphic novel, or comic book series, whatever, by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. Um... Why did it just start? It just fucking started. I hate mid-2000s DVDs. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, so yeah, we're watching this. Um, and that, that little clip we just played was from uh, the movie Dirty Work because the song Street Fighting Man is uh, um, worked into this movie. And I figured that would be funnier than just playing Street Fighting Man. <laughs> and you are very good at drawing parallels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's pretty much all I do. So, all right, we've got the DVD of uh, V for Vendetta in the little DVD box player machine there, the contraption. And uh, hitting play, three, two, one, play! It just, uh, play! God damn it! Uh, it literally, like, it did the recycling, the background, right as I hit play, so it wouldn't let me do it. Like, wait just a moment now. It's going to be off. Hey, there's the old DC logo, and it switches to Vertigo! Yeah. Look at that. Oh. Which is funny. This series is technically not Vertigo. Originally, it became Vertigo. But it was originally like published in pieces in, uh, I think, Warrior Magazine first. Warrior Magazine? Maybe? It was a British comic book magazine in the uh, 80s, maybe late 70s. Hey, there it is. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason, and plot. Um, publication history. Yeah, it started in 1982 in Warrior Magazine, and it, but it didn't, didn't finish there. And it was written from 82 to 85. Okay. So it was like a long gap between issues. And so then <laughs> after it ended, um, after Warrior ended, it was brought back, I think, in a different, maybe DC Comics. Yeah, DC Comics published the entire series in an eight-issue uh, series in 1988. And then that was reprinted in a graphic novel in Vertigo in the 90s. Right. Um, because of the huge gap between issues and the fact that it was never finished in its original state, there's some like weird continuity and just like plot points that don't quite add up in the original comic. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. It's been a while. Like in the beginning, it's said that when V kills people, they weren't stabbed, but it looks like they've been like, punched through with fingers. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And you don't ever see, like, you don't ever see him do that. But in later in the story, that's just kind of dropped, and he just has knives. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously he's supposed to have, like, somewhat super strength, like a little bit, but um, not to that extent. Right. 
And the movie starts off with a background for Guy Fox because this is made in America and nobody over here knows who he is. <laughs> and uh, it makes sense to give you a little bit of a primer. There you go. As far as primers go, it's pretty good. Yeah, and there's the whole V logo. This movie is really, like, um, weirdly over the top. <laughs> like, you know, the act, the beginning there with the, makes the flaming V. <laughs> <laughs> What year did this come out again? Uh, 2005. There you go. Yeah. There it was, you go. So it was supposed to come out in November of 2004. It was supposed to come out the weekend of November 5th. Uh, a few weeks before that, there was a terror attack in London. Well, I think there was... Wasn't that um, in the subway, maybe? I think so. I don't know. And so then they were like, fuck, we're not going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do a, a movie like lionizing a terrorist right after that. So they pushed it back like, uh, I think, eight or nine months. And it came out in the summer of 2005. Okay. Or no, maybe it was... I can't remember. I think it was a summer film. I can't remember exactly either, but I want... That sounds right. Hold on. I will tell you. It came out in... God damn it! <laughs> Why does it just say right here? Oh, there we go. March. Oh. No. What? Nope. United States, March. 2006. Oh. I got my dates confused. So it was, 2000, uh, it was supposed to be November 2005. It said it was March 2006. Okay. So spring. Yeah. All right. There's his knives. Um, this character here, uh, Prothero, is from the comics. Significantly different character, but also like... Not different, just modernized. So in the comics, he's played by uh, uh, Roger Allen in this. In the comics, he is the, quote, the voice of fate. Mm -hmm. Because this, uh, this government has this supercomputer named Fate. And they tell people that fate, like, uh, is speaking to them. Like, it does, like, the nightly broadcasts or whatever. But it's really just him. It's this guy that's just reading the script. Um, and V kills him early on to uh, show that there is no fate. You know, like, now, I took the voice away from your computer, so what's your next lie, basically? Um, and in this, he's like a Bill O'Reilly, fucking Tucker Carlson, fucking Glenn Beck, whatever the, whatever the loud white guy of the day is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which makes sense. That's, a, that's an update that totally makes sense. And, and still, to this day, is very relevant. Ah, the Fingerman. That's what they're called. I know, I know, I know. But it's still, this, um, the 12-year-old me is like, ha, I'm sorry. Because uh, Tim Pickup Smith is the Creedy, the head of the hand. Mm -hmm. um, and so his, his, uh, little, uh, his little inspectors are called Fingermen. Makes sense, yes. I have to, uh, um, I have to confess, though, that I, I don't know why, because I like this movie, but I have only seen it once. Really? Yeah. And I don't own it, which also I have no excuse for. Well, I do own it. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it a few times. Uh, um, it's it's an interesting adaptation to me because I remember when I first saw it. Like, I loved this fucking comic, and when I first saw it, I'm like, "This fucking bullshit." Because there's like a few little things that are changed or moved around, mm -hmm. but I uh, I was like like pissed off that it was more of an action movie. Yeah. But now, like, I don't I don't give a shit. It's a <laughs> as far as adaptations go, this is really good. <laughs> it's a little different. It's more cinematic, obviously, but the uh, Basics of the story. The fact that they got a fucking Guy Fox wearing do. I mean, look at that. That's V. <laughs> it looks yeah. exactly from the comic. The mm -hmm. fact that they adapted that to that level is uh, pretty big. Uh, and they did a really good job. Yeah. Did you ever hear about the casting controversy of V? 
Well, I was just going to ask you about that because I know Hugo Weaving was not the original choice. Yeah, he's a late addition. Who? In fact, there's some some shots in the movie that's not even him. Um, so he was, uh, James Purefoy was originally cast. That's right. Okay. And they were filming for a few weeks and then he left. The specifics of that are still like under lock and key. <laughs> and then Hugo Weaving came in and took the role. Um, the studio said that James Purefoy had difficulty acting behind the mask. Okay. And uh, that was the late... I read an interview with James Purefoy, like, I don't know, probably five or six years after this came out. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, like, oh, you know, you left V for Vendetta because you had trouble acting behind the mask. But what, what was the issue? Why, what, what was that? He's like, oh, is that what they said? I was like, huh, interesting. Well, I'm still under an NDA, so I can't say anything. But uh, if that's what they said, I guess that's the truth. (laughs) All right, then. Sounds like there's something juicy. Yeah, exactly. There's clearly some bad blood there or whatever. But regardless, Hugo Weaving took over. And I feel like his voice, I don't know, it just fits. Like, I I think James Purefoy's a good actor, and I've liked him and stuff. But I feel like Weaving's voice is much more... It's it's a mix between recognizable and... uh, general i don't know how to, like he's he's a weird weird good choice for the role he is you hear that voice and you're like yeah, yeah. i i hear that coming out of that yeah. voice i feel like he's authoritative but also a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> like i i uh i would trust him but i'm also going to keep an eye on him <laughs> <laughs> he's able to balance that really well mm. i mean and i imagine for anybody it's hard acting behind a mask like that uh, apparently six weeks into filming is when uh, Purefoy left. That's a long time. That is. So he probably was is in more of this movie than uh, than is let on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wonder which shots are him and which are I leaving. don't know that there's any way to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like the way he does that little giggle right there with his hands out. That looks very, <laughs> very much like David Lloyd's art. <laughs> it does. And that's a good point, too. There's lots of little moments in this movie where you're like, yeah, that's that's from the comic book. Yeah. It's also, like, this is a very ballsy movie to make in a post-9-11 world. Especially, like, just a few years after. This was 2005, you yeah. know, when it was supposed to come out. So, uh, the idea of, like, lionizing a terrorist because he's really a freedom fighter. You know, like, it just depends on your point of view. Right. Between a freedom fighter and a terrorist. And the fact that this movie raises that question, and even though V is the hero, he's also not, uh, he's not completely forgiven <laughs> for no, what he does. No. And so, like, the fact that, it's, that this movie occupies such a gray area in that debate, that politically is always black and white, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's very gray. <laughs> and the fact that this movie is so loudly gray is very interesting, and I wouldn't expect that from a big-budget Hollywood movie. Yeah, I can't think of very many other big-budget Hollywood movies, especially revolving around comics that do that, yeah. off the top of my head. Which, the fact that they do that to that level um, also is indicative of why I think this is a good adaptation. Alan Moore fucking hates it. <laughs> he uh, is very angry that it got made. Obviously, he took his name off of it beforehand. But unlike a lot of the adaptations of his work, he actually read the script to this. Which uh, uh, he had some very pointed remarks about it before it was made. Um, some things that I, I'll, maybe I'll point them out when when they come up. Some like to me pretty minor things that he thought were just fucking game breaking. Oh. <laughs> Which to me like oh, really that's what you're upset about. Uh, 
And it's, I don't know, maybe if I was British, they would be more noticeable. But um, again, I'll point them out when I get here. And I like this scene too. This is right out of the comic. And he does the whole uh, overture to the saying goodbye to Lady Liberty or whatever that's called. Lady Justice. Lady Justice. Yes. Yeah, Lady Liberty is the fucking US. <laughs> <laughs> that's ours. No. <laughs> comes the crescendo. <laughs> Wait, not yet. <laughs> close, close. And um, how old was Natalie Portman? When she filmed this, she has to be in like her. It is the bollocks girl. She's from the comic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. She's probably in her twenties. Early twenties, yeah. Wait, it comes the crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. And blows shit up. And with the fireworks, yeah. Um, really interesting way to start the movie. Just uh, blowing up a building in like a, right? <laughs> a government building. <laughs> <laughs> and he even put fireworks in the mix. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, and there's uh, uh, yes. the late, great uh, John Hurt. John as uh... So in the comic book, his name is Adam Susan. Adam Susan. And in this, they named him Adam Sutler. They combined Susan with Hitler. <laughs> to make the uh, make the parallels more obvious. God, why didn't I pick up on that before? Which yeah. I get it. Um, oh, that's uh, what's his name? Fucking uh, Eddie Marzin in an early role. Yes. Well, I say early role, but he's he's been act- acting for decades. Oh, and there's Dascom. That's uh, God, what is his name? Uh, ben Miles. He was on uh, Coupling, great British uh, sitcom. Okay, I've heard of it. Haven't seen it yet. He's, uh, he's the originator of the hard man haircuts on that <laughs> show. Hard man haircuts. <laughs> it's, it's a fucking great show. <laughs> <laughs> so just go and watch it. <laughs> the new Bailey. <laughs> hey, didn't John Hurt play the voice of father? No, he didn't. I was going to say he played the voice of father in Equilibrium, but I, I don't think no, he did. he did not. No. That Never was, mind. Uh, that, was, uh, that was like a dual role. It was originally uh, Sean Pertwee. And then it's revealed that it's actually fucking what's that guy's name? I got to play Robert the Bruce. Angus McFadden. Angus <laughs> McFadden. There you go. Uh, no, but he uh, he played Winston in 1984. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Hurt played Winston in 1984. Now he's playing Big Brother. <laughs> so that's that's I pretty that's like 99 percent of why he was cast in this role. It's a very 1984-ish story. Oh, and then of course the great Stephen Ray as uh, Finch. A lot of good actors in this. Yeah, just a fucking who's who of British character and leading man actors. I like the way this uh, council scene is lit, too. Yeah. It feels like maybe there's just, like, a, a crewman under the desk, like, yeah. shining a flashlight up, but it still looks cool. Well, it's all, because they have their little lamps in front. Yeah. And it's supposed to be when they're sitting back, they're in shadow. So when they come forward to speak, they're underlit, and it gives a very, like, eerie quality to it all. Very effective. Um, have you ever seen the show Toast of London? I haven't. There's so many much good British TV I haven't seen. I've heard of it. But... It's on. It was on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. It stars Matt Berry. Um, Tim Pigott Smith, who plays Peter Creedy in this, is just a reoccurring joke in that show. Like, as his <laughs> name comes up, where Stephen Toast would just say, like, Tim Pigott Smith! <laughs> when, like, discussing actors. <laughs> Here's a list of people who wronged me. Tim Pigott Smith! <laughs> It is fun to say. <laughs> uh, the British Television Network. This scene it comes in later in the comic, mm-hmm. and I remember that was like a big point of contention. Like, why does he do that early? Why isn't it fucking later in the movie? Like, or, yeah, later in the movie because it comes in later in the comic. It was one of Alan Moore's 
issues. Like, well, I, I don't know. It just fits better here. Well, and I, I don't think Evie works there in the comic. I don't think she does. No? And I don't think they go, because I think she's literally just like a prostitute. Yeah, I think she is. Because she gets picked up in the comic while, like, she tries to pick up one of the fingermen. And he's like, oh, fuck you, I'm a cop. And then V comes and saves her. In this, she works for Dietrich, and she's going to see him, because he has to keep up appearances that he likes the ladies. And that's when she gets picked up. Uh, they kind of, like, try to make her, like, you know, less of a soiled dove or whatever <laughs> in this. Ah, there's Stephen Fry, national treasure. Um, goddamn amazing actor and hilarious dude. Yeah. Uh, he plays Dietrich in this, and Gordon, Gordon Dietrich, Gordon's a completely different character in the comic. He's like an old man who finds Evie after V kicks her out and takes her in, and it's implied that they have like a sexual relationship, even though he's like old enough to be your grandpa. <laughs> Alan Moore has a thing about that. And then he gets killed by one of Creedy's goons. Oh, yeah, and that's uh, uh, Stephen Ray's little buddy there, uh, Finch's sidekick, uh, Dominic. He's played by Rupert Graves. Who is in a lot of stuff? Have you ever seen Death at a Funeral? The original yes. one, not the remake? Yes. <laughs> He's in that. Okay, right here. This is one of uh, Ellen Moore's nitpicks about this that he hates. Those boxes that she brings in. Uh-huh. Um, oh, wait, uh, this guy's watching Storm Saxon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a show in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you watched that it's like shit. The, yeah, like the British, uh, white British hero taking on, like, the evil... Dark foreigners. <laughs> okay. So right there, that says British Federal something. Eh. It's like a, it's like FedEx. This mm-hmm. is British Federal C. What's the C? Cargo or something? I mean, eh. they show it in a second. British Federal. Yeah. Ah, show it. Eh. Oh, Brit- oh, ah, fuck. So fast. But anyway, his he was frustrated that the word federal was in there because. England is not a federation. Okay. Like, I get that. Maybe yeah. it's just the name of the company. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that was, like, one of his big things. Like, fuck you. If you're not going to do that kind of research, then fuck off. Like, well, again, it's also on screen for half a second. You can barely read it. Right. Um, Most I didn't pick up on it yeah. until you pointed it out. I wanted to see if that was actually, if they changed that or not, because I couldn't even read that. Oh, no, they do change it. It just says British Freight Company. Oh. There's the box. You can buy the box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Innocuous enough. Yeah. And his V with his uh, suicide vest. You uh, have the hero as a suicide bomber. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And looking back on this, I am pretty wowed that this was, you know, not some, you know, uh, HBO offshoot or some yeah. television, you know, cult movie <laughs> yeah exactly it's just it's very very interesting how far they take this and it's like the optics are intentional you know like they're trying to push those buttons and right. uh you know make you think about the difference between a terrorist and a freedom fighter and it's not like uh like just the other uh, last episode i was talking about the new halloween movie and just how the optics of that are not very well thought out <laughs> like the whole <laughs> idea of uh you should have just killed that that person that you had in custody so that we won't have to deal with this now. Because right. <laughs> he's just evil, I can tell. This <laughs> <laughs> is obviously a very poorly thought out sentiment to have in a movie in the year 2020. Whereas this, like, it's challenging the public perception of terrorism and freedom fighting and society. Right. 
Um, as Jared Leto said, we live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Jared. We do. <laughs> but no, because, um, you know, what was really, what had really got going at this time, um, and I, um, you you probably remember this, like when they were reporting the news about the um, uh, war in <laughs> Afghanistan. Oh, help, Storm, help! Yeah. <laughs> um, they... They didn't want to call them. They didn't call them terrorists. But they didn't want to call them insurrectionists yeah. because that, you know, gave them a a feeling of a like a freedom fighter. Yeah, so. yeah. But anyway, yeah, it ties they in were insurgents. Well. Insurgents. They went with insurgents. Yes. Yes. Uh, this guy that they show in the bar here, this extra, I feel like is an intentionally supposed to look like Alan Moore. You think so? You'll know what I'm talking about in a second. <laughs> I, if it's not intentional, it was the happiest of accidents. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wait for it. Yeah, come on. So, and I, this is interesting, too. This is another plot point that's new to the movie, is V giving, like, society a year. And I'll see you next year. All right, right here. Come on. Old people. Bollocks girl. Family. <laughs> Bucktooth dad. <laughs> come on. This guy, oh, guy with the leather jacket. You don't see him, right? There. Aha! That's, oh, my God. God, like, that has to be a reference. It has to be. He's <laughs> got the hangdog look and the droopy eyes and the giant beard and long <laughs> hair. That's fucking Alan Moore. All he needs are fucking rings and, uh, I don't know, like a, a glycon sock puppet. <laughs> He's already got that general air of... <laughs> look that up. Do you know what glycon is? Glycon. Yeah, glycon. I do not. It's a mystery religion from... Uh, Oh, I don't know, ancient Greece. Um, Alan Moore has claimed that if he were to choose a religion, if he were to, to claim a religion, it would be Glycon. Because Glycon is an ancient Greek snake god. And he said it was like a mystery religion, and he said it was essentially, when they would pray to it, it was literally just like a sock puppet. Like a guy behind a wall with a sock puppet. Like, I am Glycon. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, if you're going to claim a god... You may as well pick one that you know is fake. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because if you have any inkling that something that you believe in may be real, then it can get you to do terrible things. <laughs> so if you know what you believe is fake, then you're not going to be tempted by dumb shit or dangerous <laughs> shit. Yeah, right. English comic book writer Cultus Alan Moore has declared himself a devotee of Glycon, preferring the belief in a hoax deity because he is not likely to start believing that Glove Puppet created the universe or anything dangerous like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, I don't know what that uh, uh, worship ceremony would be like, but I imagine it's pretty easy if, like, you know, the puppeteer gets sick and it's just like Larry stand in. <laughs> it's your turn to give the socked hand jobs. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm but, sure that was a part of it. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, then what are you, what are you even doing here? <laughs> Why would you worship a soft puppet if? Oh, um, so yeah, I learned something new today. Now you know what glycon is, kids. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I the little girl that I keep talking about, her, the bollocks girl. Yes, she's in the comic book, um, and she's in she's in this as essentially the same role. But uh, it's know, a little bit more overt in the comics. She uh, in this, like when when they're on TV, she says bollocks, and then uh, you see her later. 
think she gets she spray painted. I can't remember. But in, in the in the comic book, she's the one who like figures out. Oh, it's a different person in the comic. Oh no, that is her. There she is. She's the one who like figures out that the the uh, security cameras are no longer on because <laughs> she looks at one and she says bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and in this, she says it to the TV. But then later, you see her spray painting, and she gets shot by the cops. And... That's right. That's right. Well, the movie doesn't make it incredibly clear if that's actually happening or if it's just uh, uh, cop dude's premonition of the future. I thought she did get shot, but then again... It's well, when... you see her get shot, but it's while he's talking, he's like, I know what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen, and this is gonna, what's going to happen. And as he's saying it, you see all that stuff happen. But again, since it's not come back to, there's debate as to whether or not that was just his reading of events or if it was the true events. But she does show up briefly at the end with all of the dead people. <laughs> so at the end, when everyone takes off their V-mask, yeah. you see people that have died in the movie. Oh. Like Dietrich's one of them. She's one of them. Evie's parents are in there. I think uh, Valerie and her lover are in there. There's some resurrection. Which I think I mentioned this. Uh, we'll talk about it when we get there. I think we've talked about this before, though. The, the uh, character who plays young Valerie in this is uh, an actress that has gone on to be famous. Oh, you did mention this before, but of course I can't remember who we'll it is. We'll talk about when we get there. Okay, okay. Oh, fucking wait. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I, I guess I kind of understand the reasoning behind not liking this scene early, because then it, like, pushes back the investigation of his origin a little bit. A little bit, yeah. But I think it also provides a nice narrative setup for the rest of the story. So, I don't know. Whatever. Well, you can see him do that. Watch out, watch out. <laughs> I love it when he kills his last guard here. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, the guy that he, like, runs up to. Right here. here and then he's... Oh, there you go. <laughs> Spits out the blood as he runs away. That looks like a scene from the comic. Because he always would, like, get up close and do his kills. And that's it's a really well filmed action scene. Yeah. That's something I forgot about this movie. Is that the action scenes are really good, even the ones in the dark. They're well filmed. Yeah, like that big finale with him and Creedy and the uh, other fingermen. It's very well. It's like it's very Matrixy and over the top, but it's pretty well shot. And this was written by the Wachowskis, or was it only produced? I can't remember who wrote the script. Let me see. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Yeah, the Wachowskis wrote it too. They wrote it and they produced it with Joel Silver. Joel Silver, remind me of what else he's done. He before. produced the Matrix movies. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, like yeah. Every action movie in the early 90s. It was all him. I like the way they do this. So the, they show like the fake news. That's another thing, man. Just the, the ever-present news. Like there's always news on that's just manipulating the truth to a idiotic populace that's eating it all up <laughs> that feels much more prescient today than it did then Boy, howdy. right there when he's their news guys like yeah the fucking terrorist v broke in but don't worry cops shot him look look here's footage of them shooting him bah, 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 bah. and then uh oh, this, i think this is when she says bollocks this is only an initial report during this heroic raid the terrorist was shot and killed bollocks ah there it is <laughs> But I just love that when he's like, the danger is over. He's been killed. 
the terrorist is dead. And that kind of thing. Walking around doing his thing. I like this here. He's like, is he considering leaving her? And he goes, after she just saved them? Uh, he says, uh, he's a terrorist. You can't expect him to think like you or me. <laughs> and then he goes, some part of him's human. And like just that that way of thinking of like human versus inhuman, like that's so baked into American foreign policy. Oof. And the fact that they like addressed it like that when he's like, like, why would he save her? Like, well, maybe because she saved her. Like, they don't understand that a person would react like a person right. because they don't see the humanity in the person's actions, even when you're opposed. You know, like, it's we're all just people slapping around at other people. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, flailing in the dark. Well, and then this part, this was Alan Moore's second thing that he hated about this movie. Ready for this? Coming, coming. It's her shirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Hated her stupid fucking eyes. <laughs> Poor Natalie. <laughs> Just couldn't do anything right in this movie. Oh, there's the shadow gallery. I, I love his digs. Yeah. It's fairly similar to the comic. Yeah. I mean, it's the same concept. It just has a, a giant underground lair just full of art that he has uh, purloined. Liberated, I guess, is a better... Liberated, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so is it is, is this the part where he's like monologuing with himself and sword fighting? Is no. This, no okay. I don't... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got the timeline fucked up. I thought it was the scene where he's cooking breakfast. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe that's later. No, never mind. I'm wrong. <laughs> so was I. So he didn't like the cooking breakfast? You'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it. Okay. Let's see the breakfast first. I'm hungry for breakfast. I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> Me neither, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Breakfast. It's called the Shadow Gallery. This is immaterial, but to like go back a couple scenes, I love his bedroom. It's just nothing but shelves and yeah, books around the whole bed. Piled up books. It's like Shakespeare and Company. Have you ever been there? I haven't, no. Have you ever been to Paris? Oh, I wish. <laughs> there's, a, there's a really cool bookstore um, just right across the river from uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. It's a quaint little bookstore. It's called Shakespeare and Company. It's like a British expatriate bookstore in Paris. It's like world famous. It's really cool. Been there. It's awesome. It looks like that. Just books everywhere. Old fucking books. That's fantastic. I bought a copy of Live and Let Die there, I believe. Oh, really? I so I went to two really cool British bookstores when I was in France years ago. <laughs> One was in this uh, town called Montpellier. I went to this bookstore called Book and Bar. <laughs> and their logo was like a teapot with a British flag on the side of it. And I think I'm friends with them on Facebook still. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they're still in business. Yeah, and then there I bought Casino Royale. And then when I was when I went to Paris, I'm pretty sure I bought Live and Let Die. Book in Bar. Yeah, there it is. Hello. It's an independent bookstore, Montpellier, France. It's a five out of five on recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a good bookstore. Yeah, it's just a, it's a cool little, like again, like British. So it's like one of the few places where you can get, you can easily get English, uh, English literature in right. France. Uh, and then Shakespeare and Company. I'm pretty sure I'm friends with them on Facebook, too. Shakespeare and Company. Right there. Bookstore in Paris, France. Um, it's, like, world famous. <clears throat> oh, we have a podcast, too. Cool. Hello. Confronting Leviathan. I wanted to get a picture. They have this, like, arch made of books inside. Ooh. 
It's really cool looking. I want to go there. I wish I had... I don't have any idea where my pictures from then are. That was... Fucking decade ago. Another lifetime. Longer than that. Jesus, I was still in college when I went to France. You should uh, drag them out. I don't have any idea where they're at. <laughs> well, if you find them, please post them. So those. Are there those. we go. Oh, so there. Uh, he's making an egg in the basket, toad in the hole, whatever you want to fucking call it. It's got a million different words. Yeah. Um, Alan Moore was like pissed off that they do that. He's like, that's not an English breakfast. Like this movie implies that that's all English people eat because V makes it and then Dietrich makes it. And he's like, it just implies that it's this really common thing that people make. Like, well, no, it's not. That's the whole reason that she thinks that Dietrich may be V, because they both make the same thing. There you go. And that's supposed to be like, the movie is supposed to be like, oh, are they? And like, again, it's the idea that anyone could be V or that we are all V or whatever. That was uh, what the movie's trying to say, but he disagreed. And he was very vocally upset with that. <laughs> well, that seems particularly nitpicky. Yeah. My gripe with this scene which again i kind of care less over time but you see his hands right right and you yeah. see that his hands are all scarred up and shit that kind of bugs me because i feel like the less you see of b v the better in the comic you only ever see him out of costume in silhouette mm-hmm. and in this just to see that he actually has like burned up hands that he that those are masculine hands <laughs> right. and that he has a masculine voice i guess you could even go that far but at the same time in the comic his frame is decidedly masculine so I guess it would make sense that he is a male. But it's just, it seems odd that you actually see his hands. It does. Yeah. And that is kind of nitpicky, because in the at the end of the day, it doesn't really fucking matter. But that just, like, rubbed me the wrong way the first time I saw it. It does take a little bit of a mystique away. But realistically, yeah. if that's the worst this movie fucking does, then yeah. any adaptation should aspire to that level of nitpickiness. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. You really have to try hard to find something wrong with this, I feel. It's also funny, uh, Alan Moore has talked, I don't know, in the last few years, decade maybe, like uh, the rise of Anonymous, you know, and like the back in the Occupy movement and uh, now just like any really social social change movement uh, always adopts the Guy Fawkes mask. Mm-hmm. Like Anonymous, that's their fucking logo. And he was like, oh yeah, you know, look at that. Like people are really resonating with this Guy Fawkes and... As much as Hollywood just will fuck with my movies or whatever, blah, or my stories or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, people, it still resonates with people. And look at, you know, now the Guy Fox mask is a symbol of this. I'm like, yeah, but dude, the only reason it's a symbol of that is because of the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, it's true. I mean, like, I t- completely appreciate Alan Moore's original work. And uh, he's completely entitled his opinion on all of his works because he's closer to those than anyone else. So I completely understand his hesitancy and his distaste for his adaptations or the fact that he hates Hollywood and all that. Like, I totally understand it. But also, like, I mean, come on. The reason that the... Oh, the dolls! Oh, hey! That's a big plot in the comic. Um, anyway, the, uh, the fact that he... Uh, the fact that his work is as well-known in popular culture, like the V logo, is totally because of adaptations. Right, right. Yeah, I mean... You lazy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I love how the British use that word. Um, Mr. Moore would, uh, I don't, well, I don't know how he feels about this, but yeah, some... He hates this movie. <laughs> uh, not about this movie, yeah. but about the use of his mask. Oh, gotcha. Like, in the town where I was born this last summer, um, one of those idiotic mask protests, like, several people mm. showed up to that wearing Guy Fawkes yeah. masks. So... <laughs> so right here, the death of uh, Prothero here. 
um, they just showed that little uh, shelf full of dolls that he has. Yes. In the comic, that's like a big deal. Because actually, I take that back. V doesn't kill him in the comic. He, uh, uh, like, completely, like, mentally scars him to the point where he can't speak. And he paints him like a doll and leaves him for the cops to find. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he's just uh, catatonic, basically. And they don't quite go into how or why he did that, but he just can't speak. So then the voice of London is gone. But uh, Prothero is like obsessed with dolls. There's this huge doll collection in the comic. See so it's kind of brought up there. <laughs> Very and, fitting. Uh, I just realized Retro Allen was on Game of Thrones. Who did he play there? Um, the dude that sets up the deal between the Dothrakis and the, the fucking Targaryens. He's in, like, the first episode, and then he doesn't come back to, like, the fourth or fifth season or something. Oh, I totally missed that. Once again, thank you for making the connection. I think, to me, Stephen Ray's character, Finch, is the most POV character to me personally. How so? I just, I find him interesting, that character that uh, is... Like, he's fucking beat down. Like, just look at him. You know, he hates his life. He hates what he has to do. But he doesn't see a way out. So he's just forced to endure this society that he's a part of. Mm-hmm. But he's also a very logical and intelligent person. And uh, and he's smart. He's smart enough to know when he's wrong. Yeah. And, and throughout the movie, he starts to see the cracks in his worldview. Right. And I think that's it's very interesting to see a character change their worldview like that. In the comic... It ends with, he's actually the one that shoots V in the end instead of Creedy. And then uh, Dominic becomes Evie, who becomes V. <laughs> yeah. he, he, uh, excuse me, Dominic becomes Evie's like, sidekick. Right, okay. Ah, beheaded. Here's, yeah, here's a scene I was talking about earlier. Monologuing and sword fighting. The fuck? What you looking for? Oh, I was trying to find the year. The wait, is this? Oh, it's theater. I was trying to find the uh, the seasons of Game of Thrones that he was in. <laughs> I'm thinking now I should have watched this before we watched it because it's been so long since I've seen it. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is good. I just want to sit here and watch it with the sound on. That's weird. And only listen was being in a couple episodes, but he was he came back later. I know. Fifth episode of the first season. Ah, whatever. <laughs> He's there, though. Yeah. Oh, he was in Crod Mandoon and the Flaming Sword of Fire. Oh, yeah. I've totally seen that one. <laughs> that was like a Comedy Central show. It's like a spoof of like sword and sorcery stories. Oh, well, then probably pretty good then. Oh, and he was in the thick of it. I forgot about that. I just watched that series. It's really good. Is there a British comedy series that isn't good, though? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm sure. Give, <laughs> Out give, there somewhere? give me a minute. <laughs> it's harder to remember. It'll come to me. I started watching uh, Ghosts on, what's it show? Uh, on HBO Max. It's a British comedy series mm-hmm. of ghosts. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't really, wasn't really getting me going. Oh, Little Britain. Fucking hate Little Britain. Haven't watched God that damn one. it, I hate that show. Ugh. <laughs> stupid, stupid. Yeah. The best thing about it is that Tom Baker narrates it because he's just got an amazing voice. <laughs> but other than that, it's not good. He's it's lazy, lazy, lazy stereotypes. Like, I don't know. It's just, I really like David Walliams, who's one of the guys in it. 
And I like uh, the other guy. Fucking what's his name? You know. <laughs> but of course. He'll come to me. You know him. <laughs> that one guy. That one dude. Matt Lucas. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think Matt Lucas is all right. I like him better in small doses. But I really like David Walliams. And uh, I just don't think Little Britain's very good. Alas. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as you would hope. Yeah, it's funny because he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's a little bit outdated. Get it? <laughs> he can't walk. All right. Evidently, like, I think like over the last year, the tide has started to turn on that. Oh, also, their other show, Come Fly With Me, <laughs> uses blackface. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's because I'm a I'm a British Bake Off fan, and I remember that came up about Lucas. Oh yeah, I actually I remember seeing that episode. Yeah, that's funny. Well, there you go. It all comes back around. Did you know, <laughs> back to Matt Lucas and now British Bake Off, did you know that, you know, that show has two different names? It's... It's British, Great British Bake Off in England, in England. And over here, it's Great British Baking Show. Okay. Do you know why that is? There's like a legal reason. Really? Because within the USA, the term Bake Off is trademarked by Betty Crocker. <laughs> so you can't use the term bake off unless you pay or are associated with betty crocker oh. so they just change the name when they when they release it in america there you go i had no idea it's fucking weird like that's yeah, ridiculous right? and it's been that way for like 75 years or something betty has the stranglehold fucking betty <laughs> oh. that, that was actually something I, I have a friend named betty that was actually something <laughs> at a few weeks ago at the bar that I realized, like, if you if you want to make somebody's name just sound acerbic, just add a Y before the first vowel. It's like, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Anna. Anna. <laughs> Sophia. Oh, God. I'm sure they appreciate that, yeah. too. <laughs> I was very loudly doing that, like, all night. <laughs> just everyone. Sophie. <laughs> you know, just the person that you Blows off the tongue yeah. so well, yeah. <laughs> so <perfectly. laughs> It oh. just makes any name sound like the worst fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> like a curse word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to try that when I go out to brunch with my friend coming up here after this. What's your friend's name? Shauna. Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> She'll love it. <laughs> okay, now I'm, because it's been so long since I've watched this, what part does he kidnap her, quote-unquote? What do you mean? He already did. Well, no, the... Con- yeah, the conditioning, the whole thing. Oh, that's after she escapes. Okay. After, I think... It, uh, I don't know, you'll see. It's when... <laughs> uh, it's in a minute. Hot minute. Because then when, when he... Because they go like, off on a mission or whatever, and then she gets, quote, captured. <clears throat> and then he starts her torture. <laughs> Which is also questionable when you yeah, think about exactly. it. But that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Grays. All multitudes of gray. Mm-hmm. Oh. What's interesting to me too about this, oh, and this is this backstory is all new. This like chemical agent that killed all these kids, whatever, that's uh invented for the movie. Again, kind of in a way to modernize it. And that was another criticism that Alan Moore had about this. He said that his story is specific to a time and place in British history. It's about anxieties of Thatcherism and 80s over, 
over policing in Britain. He's like, that's why it was, that's when it was written, that's what it's about. He said to take that and try to apply it to a different time period in a different country is lazy and irresponsible. I'm like, well, again, I understand your point. This is your baby. You can have your opinion on that. But these are also uh, universal feelings, anxieties, and uh, events. I mean, right. this that didn't just happen in Britain. <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, conservative ideology and demagoguery is common in politics, especially when money is involved. Mm -hmm. And nowhere is that more evident than fucking America. You know, right now. Yeah, right now. 15 years ago when You're this right. came out, exactly. 25 years ago, mm -hmm. 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, unfortunately the, the themes are universal and mm. timeless. And so I, I feel like that's a little disingenuous to be like, well, you can't use this because it doesn't apply to your specific situation. Like, well, no, that's not what art is supposed to do. <laughs> and if, if you can find an entry point to it, then fucking use it and internalize it. And especially when you see the way that America has been going ever since, you know, Reaganism, uh, we are more like this movie now than we were in 2005. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. If anything, um, oh, the election of Trump, even if he doesn't get reelected again, has emboldened this type of behavior. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's normalized. Yeah. It was never gone, but it was at least shamed. Right, right. <laughs> now it's, uh, it's, uh, excuse me, I keep burping because I fucking had Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's more uh, celebrated, it's seen as a virtue because you're speaking your mind. Speaking the truth. Yeah. yeah. That uh, mirror is in a comic. Yes, it is. See the upside down V at the top? Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I, they don't ever go into the V logo in this. I don't. Um, I mean, other than the fact that it's the five of his cell, but they don't show where the circle came from and how the the uh, what's it called the how Finch discovers his hideout because Finch doesn't really discover it. I can't remember. But in the in the comic, it's the the underground logo, the London Underground oh, logo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. torn from the backing, so it makes a V in the circle, and that's how he discovers where he's living. Because gotcha. yeah. that's another thing they cut out is when he goes to Lark Hill here, it's really quick. And he's like, I went to Lark Hill. I found clues or something like that. <laughs> and that's all they say. And then there's like a flashback. In the comic, he goes to Lark Hill, takes a shitload of LSD and, <laughs> and fuck, like has like flashbacks and premonitions and his mind travels through the astral plane. And it gets all very from hell, uh, the, the, the uh, comic. <laughs> And uh, and this it doesn't doesn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and no offense to him, the two themes that uh, Alan Moore really appreciates are prostitutes and drugs. Yeah. And it's just funny that because I mean, obviously, there's no way to film that. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. I understand why they why they went around that and made the uh, chief inspector a little more a little more grounded. <laughs> right. Right. The uh, sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. What? That doesn't happen. Never. <laughs> this is stereotyping. Yeah. And <laughs> little, uh, little Lolita Natalie Portman there. <laughs> <laughs> the whole discussion of, gosh, I hope she's not too yeah, old. Exactly. It's like, Ew. yep. 
Well, I mean, how old is like now she's like what in her early 40s and she still looks like she's probably, you know, 25. Have you seen I love that shot of him jumping. That's a good one. Have you seen what she looks like on a set of Thor 4? I have not. Dude, she has been working out. Um Art Men Love and Thunder. <laughs> All right. And the new Thor movie's called Love and Thunder. Um, <laughs> I love it. Those fucking guns. <laughs> oh, nice. Because <laughs> she's the new Thor. Girl's been lifting. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just don't arm wrestle with her. Yeah. So that's a good look. <laughs> that is a good look. Yeah. When is that coming out? Uh, next summer? It just got pushed back a couple months because Marvel shifted their entire slate of films. And, like, because, like, Doctor Strange 2 was supposed to come out in, like, March. Oh. And I think it got shifted to April or May. I think Thor got shifted to July, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. A few months! Stupid pandemic. Yeah. I, I think that just had more to do with their slate. They had they have a lot on the, uh, on the upcoming year's uh, docket. I think they just had to do a little bit of shifting with other release dates of movies and maximize profits. Marvel is still a busy, busy little bee. Uh oh. The golden gun! <laughs> <laughs> like every priest has. Yeah. Or I, should have, I yeah, think. I, was, <laughs> I would not be even remotely surprised. Where do you think your tithes are going? <laughs> Clearly, gold plated PPKs. <laughs> like you would. Oh. oh, yeah, she goes to Dietrich's. She escapes here, goes to Dietrich's, and then when Dietrich gets kidnapped, when he gets black-bagged, that's when V takes her. Okay, all right. Which, again, is similar to the comic, but Gordon, I think you just call him Gordon. He's just uh, an old man who's like, I think he's like maybe, uh, oh, Jesus, I think he works in a bar or a nightclub or something. I can't remember exactly. Also, Mr. Susan's death is significantly different in the movie and the comic. There's a character that's completely cut out of the movie who ends up killing uh, Susan. She assassinates him during a... Uh, during a... something, a parade. Yeah, that's... There he is. Oh, he, he does go by Dietrich. I thought it was just his first name. Small-time criminal who takes an Evie after she's abandoned by V. Gordon finds Evie Hammond stealing food from his bins and takes her in, getting her back on her feet after she was abandoned by V. He takes Evie to the Kit Kat Keller, where they encounter Alistair Harper. That's the... Allie is one of the fingermen. Okay. Uh, I witness the start of a fight between members of the regime and somebody who's speaking out. Gordon removes Evie from the club as a fight breaks out. Soon after, he and Evie begin a romantic relationship. A few months later, he is murdered by Harper and other gangsters uh, in reprisal for his withholding of money... They feel they are owed for his criminal activities. Um, Ali stabs him through his door with a saber. <laughs> okay. I need to read the comic book A very too. different version of Gordon. A <laughs> television show host, closeted homosexual who was involved, who was not involved in criminal activity, appears in the film. He's portrayed by Stephen Fry. Oh, Stephen. Stephen Fry, one of my favorite bits of Connections. You know I love Connections. Oh, yes. Um, have you ever seen the movie Wild? About Oscar Wilde? I've heard it. I haven't seen it yet. Nope, haven't seen it yet. It's from the 90s. Uh, Stephen Fry plays Oscar Wilde in it. And he fucking looks the part. Just the cover of the movie. 
looks so much like Oscar Wilde. Nice. Um, so Stephen wow. Fry plays Oscar Wilde. Uh, the character of Mycroft Holmes from Sherlock Holmes is modeled on on Oscar Wilde. That's right. Um, in uh, da, 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 in Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows, Mycroft is played by Stephen Fry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So he went from the real life character, real life person, to the character inspired by him. There you go. I, oh, I want to see that now. I didn't know that he played wild. There he is nude as Mycroft, <laughs> hanging out on a Sunday. <laughs> Why get dressed? And Dietrich has his own little, little uh, shadow mini shadow gallery with band art and whatnot. He believes he did. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that uh, fucking God Save the Queen with, with uh, John Hurt's face. That is pretty cool. <laughs> the copy of the Quran? 14th century. There's an. Uh, are you a Muslim? No, I'm on television. <laughs> Why would you be a Muslim it? to find the images beautiful, the poetry moving? See, this is a much more uh, concise discussion of the themes of uh, Midnight Mass. Right. But in like one easy. Quick conversation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to be Muslim to appreciate uh, in the Quran or like Muslim poetry or or even their beliefs. There you go. The end. <laughs> <laughs> that was the conversation. <laughs> Subtext well executed. Yeah. There is a line in here. I think we I think we skipped past it, but it's one of my favorite in the movies that excuse me in the movie that I vaguely remember. It's something like. Pucker up, here comes the finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like his line here, too, about, like, oh, fuck. Like, no, sorry, I think it's right here. He says, after so many years, when you begin to lose more, you begin to lose more than just, you, ah, you begin to lose more than just your appetite. You remember for so long, you forget who you were beneath it. It's that idea of being closeted in society and being forced to be someone that you're not daily. He's like, you know, he talks about how, like, you know, he's gay and he's like, you know, I, I can't be who I am. So after a while you begin to lose your appetite just for your own uh, proclivities. But then even after that, you lose who you are because that is a part of you. And when you deny it day in, day out, you start to no longer become yourself. Which is remarkably sad. Yeah, exactly. And it's really well done in that little conversation. It's it is. all because of Stephen Fry being a fucking great actor. And, and that's, that, that is something that's not in the comic. That's an idea that's not expressed in the comic. I'm sure subtextually it is because V represents any uh, suppressed minority or belief or uh, uh, sexual identity or whatever. Like that's, V is supposed to be all of that. But to have a counterpoint to that of just a normal person who is gay in a society that oppresses homosexuality is, I think, more important, because it puts a real face on it. Right, right, exactly. Well, and just the idea, too, that um, kind of in that same vein, but not really, like, so many people, like the idiots who show up to the mask protest wearing Guy Fox masks. Yeah. Like, we all like to think that in a situation like this, we'd be V, right? Yeah. But no, we'd most likely be like Stephen Ray's character, I think, yeah. where you just, you know, do you learn to deal with this horrible yeah. shit? Because you yourself don't want to die. <laughs> and that's what I like about his character is that he's he's kind of the everyman. Kind of the uh I don't know, he's he's not a mustache twirling villain, and he's he's us. He's 
we we allow this to happen in our society by being a part of that society. Right. And it sucks. <laughs> and it's not nobody wants to be the villain, but we all kind of are because we allow it. And I think I just the other day I read like a fucking meme that was uh you get what you accept. <laughs> yeah. You know, in in society whatever you accept that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's a good point. And we're just complacent. V even says it earlier like that the whole bit that he has about like you know if you if you want to if you want a, a boogeyman if you if you want to know who's responsible like there are some who are more responsible and they'll get their just they'll get their just desserts but if you're really looking for someone just look in the mirror yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we we all like like I I think I posted that little bit on uh, election night 2016 <laughs> because <laughs> I, I mean yeah sure that there's there's gerrymandering and there's a uh, one obviously evil political party that's destroying the world left and right. And then there's another just fucking limp-wristed political party that's not doing anything really to stop them. Uh, and like, yeah, they're they're both at fault on different levels. But at the same time, like, it's it's all of us, man. We, we let this happen. Right. We, the people, have the power to stop this, and we are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because complacency is just easier, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even, like, you could say it's very literal, but even the part um, where Evie is literally being raped, and she's still like, no, I'm, I'm trying to warn you. Like, she's trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. help out her rapist. I mean, it's it's a apt metaphor. <laughs> I have another rose. God, Hugo Weaving has a great voice. I know we've touched on that already, but still, he's a fantastic voice. You know, little, uh, <laughs> fucking like Betty and Veronica covers to classic horror movies. On a sidebar here. <laughs> I saw, when I went to see, uh, Halloween Kills, I saw the trailer for the new Scream movie. Oh yeah? I thought it was a reboot, because it's just called Scream. But no, it's not. Fucking, uh, Nev Campbell's in there, so is, uh, Courtney Cox, so is David Arquette. Wow. Um, it's just a Scream 5, but they're not calling it Scream 5. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't watched past two. Yeah, me neither. Wait, I take no, wait, that back. But, yeah. I've never seen three, but I did see four when I was working at my old job. I had a client that loved that movie, and I watched it with him. It's like, this is fucking terrible! <laughs> <laughs> That's Four is the one with Emma Robertson, Yes, right? she's yeah. the killer. That's right. Spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's a, I fucking caught that from like the first ten minutes. Like, it's gonna yeah. be her. I still don't know who this killer is in Scream 3. I've never seen Scream 3. I don't know anything. I don't, I don't think I know anything about it other than Power Man 5000 and a song on the soundtrack. <laughs> As did Slipknot. <laughs> As did David Arquette's band, Ear 5000. Ear 5000? I think that's what they're called. Uh, I didn't know David Arquette had a band. <laughs> My friend had that soundtrack, and I remember listening to it a lot with him. David Arquette. I swear that's their name. Let me see. You'll find out. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Band. What are you guys called? Year 2000. Excuse me. Oh, I missed the line. Oh, shoot. I think when he's like, I found clues. (laughs) Yeah, here's the whole flashback of uh, V and... Lark Hill. Here we go. 
And just another, like, I like how committed this movie is to the flashbacks. Because, I mean, these kind of grind the narrative to a halt, but they're obviously very needed. There's Valerie. Um, and I like the way it's they're introduced in pieces. Right. Like, you see, like, really brief clips earlier, but then here, this is all from uh, Delia Surridge's point of view. And you see the connection with Prothero and the priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey there. He is such a fucking sleazy looking dude. He is. is. I'm sure he's lovely in real life, but (laughs) goddamn, he is a sleaze bag. Every role I've seen him in. (laughs) Yeah, you watch him and you're like, yeah, I I believe that he is an evil person. (laughs) Yeah, no, fuck that guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's Valerie again. Um, And then, like, yeah, just the the fucking imagery here is so intense. Mm -hmm. And, again, like we've talked about in other reviews um flashbacks are hard to do and not be inconsequential and unneeded you know so when they're done right it's really appreciated also the music in this scene is really well done it builds like crazy to this moment when you see the v on the door um during the narration this is why i want to watch it again with the sound on (laughs) (laughs) who does the music for this who does the score not ear 2000 Year 2000 and Marco Beltrami. Oh, okay. No, I don't. <laughs> that was an old joke. I think I want, I'm going to say Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates. I'm going to say Tyler Bates. Let's see if I'm right. V4 Vendetta. Oh, there's the explosion. Oh, there we go. Ah, Dario Marianelli. I would not have guessed that at all. I, one of the things I wish they would have included is how he blew up. His cell? Yeah, they don't discuss that. They go into that in the book, and he is making, like, a little, uh, like, model in his room. (sighs) Ouch. That does look painful. He does look pretty crispy. Um, but yeah, like, Surridge is watching him, and she gives him, like, uh, she gives him some, oh, he takes his food and starts, like, building little models of, like, their camp in his room. And she's like, interesting. So she gives him more and he gives him more. And then she gives him, he like says something to her about wanting fertilizer or something. So she gives him some of that and he keeps adding to his little, uh, his little version of the camp until he gets all the materials he needs to make a bomb. (laughs) And then he blows up his room and causes a chain reaction that blows up a big chunk of the camp. And there's Dietrich making Eggie in the basket. (laughs) Damn, Eggie in the basket. Yeah, I, I, I always thought that, well, growing up, like, we ate toads in the hole. It's not a British dish, is it? No, it's not. It's American as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but, which is why, why uh, Alan Moore didn't like it. <clears throat> I am the evil of revolution. Last you know the truth. <laughs> it's wrinkled, well-fed well exterior. exterior. <laughs> Dangerous killing machine with a fetish for foxy and masks. Fetish for Foxy and masks. I like that. Hey, they didn't subtitle that. <laughs> he just said Viva la Revolution, but they didn't subtitle it. Oh. That's weird. I wonder why not. Who knows? Subtitle guy's like, I don't know how to spell Viva. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I forgot my dictionary. <laughs> Spanish? Fuck that. I did not know that there was going to be Spanish in this fucking thing. <laughs> I'm being paid for one language. Yeah. Oh, look at poor guy. He looks so <laughs> tired and worn down. And they showed, they just showed uh, something about a terrorist attack in the subway. 
which again, mm. one of the reasons this was delayed. Um, there's also a reference to the bird flu at some point when uh, Sutler says, like, we got to ramp up the news. That is a reading light. <laughs> they just By the way, slap a filter on it and make it look like it's a, uh, what's it called? A, I don't know, a jamming device. <laughs> there you go, a jammer. I'm going to say this aloud. One of my favorite roles of Stephen Ray is as Santiago. Was it Santiago? Yeah, in uh, Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. That creepy, weird vampire that gets cut in half by Brad Pitt. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, he did really he's, well. Uh, Everyone did well in that. But... He's Armand Stooley. Yes. He is extra creepy in that. He's also in the pseudo-remake of that movie uh, by, the, by the same director. Um, God damn it. What's the director's name? Uh, but, 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 um, I know who I know who you're talking about. Um, the movie's called Byzantium. Yes, yes. Um, uh, Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Gemma Arterton and Sorsha uh, Ronan. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's in that. Maybe not. I thought he was. Maybe I'm just thinking of uh, uh, Neil Jordan. But anyway, yeah, it's it's like the female version of Interview with the Vampire. I liked it. I, yeah, I liked it a lot. In it, though. I don't think he is. I think I was just wrong. But this doesn't list the full cast. I felt, I don't know. I felt like he was. Maybe I may just be remembering wrong. Like maybe he had a small role on the, like you said, in the secret society. Speaking of, you know, talking about people that are skeezy or whatever, Johnny Lee Miller in that movie, in Byzantium, the skeeziest motherfucker to ever live. Yeah. Plays yeah. Ruthven. <laughs> you can feel the STDs rolling hey, off that yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of feel like that, uh, another movie that should have gotten more props than it got. Yeah. I guess Stephen Ray wasn't in it. Tom Hollander was, though. Who's? The British actor. They're all British actors. They're all, yeah. <laughs> They're all British. Yep. Yeah, another good vampire flick. What's going on in this scene? This, oh. uh, okay. this is when, uh, they're, uh, fuck, um, they're trying to find Evie and Evie. That's right, because he's still, the public believes and, that he's still alive. Yeah, exactly. So his character in the book, he's killed in the book, and his wife is the one that kills Susan, Eddie, Eddie Marsden's character. His wife? Yeah. His wife isn't in the movie at all. No. I want more arrests. Get him, get him, get him. This is when uh, he shows his episode of his show that makes fun of uh, John Hurt. Oh. The little Benny Hill bit. <laughs> um, well, I like you said, I can understand why if something is your baby, um, you, of course, you have attachment to it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean... Well, who am I to tell Alan Moore to chill? But it's like, dude, this is this is overall well done. I mean, it's hard for me to talk about it because I just want to sit and watch it. <laughs> the, way, the way I see it, there's two ways to approach an adaptation. You can either be Alan Moore. I mean, there's there's millions of ways to approach an adaptation of your own work. But the two extremes I see are Alan Moore, which is, I don't want any part of this. Go fuck yourself. How dare you touch my work? Blah, blah, blah. And again, he has reasons for that. I understand why. It's a long fucking story. I think we talked about briefly in the past. I'm not yeah. going to get into it. I understand why. 
There's that, or there's Neil Gaiman, who <laughs> I'm going to be directly involved. I'm going to produce. I'm going to assist the writers. I'm going to be involved in uh, the the casting, the production. I'm going to be the public face of this thing that is based on my work. And, right. and you know, like, uh, I understand why Gaiman is the way he is. I understand why Moore is the way he is. And uh, there's thousands of different ways to meet in the middle there with literally, I mean, literally everyone who has something adapted is going to come to it a different way. And, uh, I just, you know, like I, I understand more. I have my own feelings. <laughs> I can't even say I disagree with him because from his point of view, I would probably feel the same way. And I, so I completely understand. I just, as the larger world, I feel like, uh, this is a perfectly serviceable and good adaptation. Yes. Yeah. Well said. We just saw V uh, trip on a banana peel. Come on, man. That wasn't in the comic. This is this is an amazing addition. <laughs> Buffoonery. No. They have like, like the really obvious makeup on him. There, see, to like make him look like he's an actor playing him. <laughs> Imposter. I feel like John Hurt probably had a lot of fun with this bit. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Wrestling himself. Yeah, he uh, he was the doctor <laughs> in the uh, Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. Oh, Hurt was? Yeah. He was the war doctor. <laughs> I have an action figure of him. <laughs> Tune in for uh, Colby and Bear's next <laughs> Doctor Who episode. He, uh, he's the Doctor after the Eighth Doctor, which is the one that we watched the movie of. Oh, there you go. There he is. The, the he has the best grizzled face. That's Paul McGann. That's the one that turned into him. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, they actually did a pretty good job of lining up actors that... Yeah, I'd I buy that's him as an it old man. Doesn't That's not how it works. <laughs> They're completely different people. Oh. oh. He, he literally turns into a new body. But they actually show him young when in his first appearance in it. It's like digitally changed to make him look young. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I don't mean this in a rude way at all, but like John Hurt has one of those faces that he probably looked like an old man when he was 12. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or an alien when he was in his like 30s. Right, looked, yes. <laughs> looked like my dad back then. I mean, he looks like, looked like he's always been my dad. You know? <laughs> Not so funny now, is it funny, man? Oh, I forgot about this part. This part is very sad. This is the part where V kidnaps her, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm keeping it all straight in my head here. God damn it. I was trying to find a picture of that. The eighth doctor drinks from the chalice to allow him to control his regeneration. And... Uh, Decides to pick a warrior. When he regenerates, he turns into John Hurt. Oh, there you go. And they show like, they show a very like a hazy image of young John Hurt reflected in the chalice. I'm the Doctor No More. There it is. <laughs> oh, see, that's the thing about Doctor Who is that guy is always up to something. You can go away for five minutes and come back, and things have changed entirely. Yeah, exactly. Here's where she's kidnapped. Though. Okay. She's now she's in the fucking underground with the... I mean, the one of the trailers started with this. Like, what do you know about the terrorist codenamed V? 
Right, 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 right. Some of it is starting to come back to me. And this bit is almost shot for shot the same as the comic. And the whole Valerie flashback and all that, like... Well, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, again, like you said, I understand where more is coming from, too. There's just a history of, of Hollywood and adaptations just fucking over the creators. Um, but because of my lack of exposure and access to comic books when I was younger, um, I would not have known B for Vendetta existed if I hadn't seen this first. Yeah. And they said, oh, it's based on a comic book. I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to read that. Well, and he specific, like he very had some very specific issues with Hollywood and with DC, rightfully so, fucking him yeah. over. And you know, um, oh yeah, there's the head shaving scene. It's pretty ballsy to shave a head on screen because you got one take. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's no redo. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I mean, he got involved in a fucking legal issue with his work. Yes. Um, I remember he said he had to do an eight-hour deposition basically defending himself because the studio implied... Or he was he was implicated in, like, a fraud issue with the studio, stealing someone else's work, and the implication was that then they hired him to, like, disguise that. <laughs> what a pain in the ass. Not the best spa day. <laughs> oh, there's another thing in fucking Halloween Kills... There's a part where, the very beginning, when Michael Myers is coming out of the burning house from the end of the last movie, uh-huh. there's a bunch of firemen there, and one of the firemen turns the hose on him, and he just kind of walks up to him and kills him, and I'm like, dude, that, those hoses knock down walls. They can't, like, come on, <laughs> Christ. Like, there's him being strong, and then there's just basic physics. <laughs> well, see, and that's what I mean. Like, Michael Myers, you can't kill him, he's indestructible, and at a point, for me, that's just like, okay, that's, yeah. why bother? It's not scary anymore. Yeah, just when you see him coming, just lay down and accept your fate. Exactly. Move on to the next one. Yeah, because even if you are Usain Bolt, he'll still catch you <laughs> just by walking. There is one person that like escapes him in this movie, Halloween Kills. By <laughs> he's chasing her through a park. She runs a little bit ahead, hides behind a tree, and then like scoots down to like the riverbank. Mm-hmm. And like this is all within his field of view. He walks up to like the riverbank and kind of looks around, but doesn't look down. And she's like. Like the fucking hobbits hiding from the <laughs> ring rape. <laughs> and then he's like, and just walks away. And like, I, and that's it. Like, later her friends show up and they save her and she goes to the hospital at the end. You never see her again in the movie. <laughs> it's like, are you, like, it's that easy? <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. <laughs> oh. That was one thing I didn't mention in that episode too. That, the movie had some fucking annoying continuity and staging issues yeah. where like a character climbs out of the window of a car and then just disappears during a fight and then shows up like half a block away running towards the car that she just escaped from. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and see, there's no excuse for that because like, uh, Oh, Hey, do you recognize young Valerie? Oh, here it comes. And the Valerie flashback now. I see your profile. Oh, not oh, rain in the rain. You'll see her in a second. You'll get it. I, maybe. <laughs> maybe, hopefully. I may be drastically overestimating the how well-known this actress is. I know we've talked about her before. Oh, God. Um, who are you? Oh, you so familiar. Shit. She was originally cast as Hero in Why the Last Man, but had to drop out 
in like the two years of production. And of course you mentioned her name. Yeah. Um, and I, her face is... That guy looks like Kyle McLaughlin. Mixed with Charles Grodin. Charles <laughs> <laughs> Grodin. Those two got together. <laughs> That's exactly what that guy just looked like. It's Imogen Poots. Oh, shit, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see it now. I'm so used to seeing her as a blonde. What's she blonde in? Oh, gosh, like everything. Jane Eyre. Um... Look at that. That's totally Charles Grodin mixed <laughs> with Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> I've never seen Jane Eyre. Uh... But you've seen Fright Night. No, I haven't. The remake? No, I haven't. I've seen the original. Oh, uh, I saw, she was in uh, fucking 28 Weeks Later. That's the first thing I saw her in. Green Room. She's a blonde. She's in Green, Green Room. Room. Was she a blonde? I think so. I haven't seen Green Room for a long time. So I saw Green Room. I think I've told you about this. Tell me again. They said it on the show. Maybe not. You did. I saw Green Room like, oh, geez. Mid to early November 2016. Probably like November like 10th or something. Shortly after the election and I was on I was on a date well it wasn't really a date because we just watched the movie and I was sitting here with a girl we watched Green Room it gets over and like I'm already just like feeling down about the world and then that movie you know just fucking evil Nazis killing punks you know like the movie ends and I was like you either need to leave right now (laughs) or we need to watch something really fucking funny because I am in no headspace to say anything to anyone right now. (laughs) (laughs) And for you, that's saying something. (laughs) Like, I just, I had like zero hope about the future after that movie. And then the election just, you know, a few days early. Like, I can't, I can't deal with society right now. (laughs) Just (laughs) human interaction. The perfect (laughs) storm of despair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was a great movie. That was really good. I love uh, Jeremy Saunier. I have Murder Party sitting right there, ready to go. That's going to be my last movie of the month. Ah, <laughs> excellent way to end it. There's all the news. Yeah, and this is another good moment of just showing that vulnerability of watching society change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I obviously I am not a persecuted class. I'm not, I don't really fit into any of the... Uh, elements that would that are typically cast aside or persecuted by society you know I'm a fucking white guy <laughs> so uh, I I don't know the depths of this feeling that Valerie and I can't remember her girlfriend's name Neither can I she said it I don't remember but anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> I don't I don't feel the fear that they're feeling but like I am getting a little bit of that pang of 2016 seeing that change happen to me like oh fuck <sighs> Well, and that's why, to get on my soapbox, um, assholes who wear the the Guy Fox mask to stuff like protesting, having to wear a mask during a pandemic, like this unconstitutional mandate, which, by the way, no one is actually enforcing. You don't have cops coming to your house yeah, or you know, citing nice. you. Oh, there you go. It's also like, I mean, we've been through this before in 18, or 1918. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah, no, uh, mask mandates are totally constitutional. It's uh, Right. You know, for the public good. <laughs> and folks, I mean, I'm, I, I say it all the time. I'll say it again. Like, if, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened yeah. to you, if that's your idea of oppression, then you live a charmed damn life. Yeah, yeah exactly. But anyway, I mean, just the fucking, just the, the, the way that Valerie is forced to endure. And just, the, yeah, God damn it. That just, 
very intense and striking. It is. And it's, again, sadly, it's still a theme that's happening today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the abortion law in Texas. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many state laws against uh, transgender people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just saw, I think it was yesterday, a woman in Ohio uh, received a manslaughter charge for miscarriage. Right. Right, which is just fucking medieval. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> draconian doesn't even scratch the surface because, you know, at least uh, at least draconian punishments are uh, are punishments for something legitimate. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can't fucking control your body. The you know you can't control a miscarriage. <laughs> no, no, and that's yeah. It's 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 that shit is scary, and this still ties into that yeah. very well. I mean, it would be great if we could sit here and be like, oh, this is so dated. So glad that doesn't yeah, happen exactly. anymore. Again, it's only gotten more, more relevant. Uh, yeah, it's fucking depressing. It is, <laughs> it is. But it's, you know, I mean, it's great that we have art like this. It's great that we have comic book movies that are showing this. You know, and again, this is 2005 showing uh, uh, A, um, I mean, there's, more than one gay character in this and they don't fit neatly into any box you know absolutely um and it's i my only i guess my only complaint would be that it it uh it trips into the uh oh the uh fuck what's it called the trope of like burying your gays Mm -hmm. like the gay characters always die yeah and but at the same time it's kind of needed for this world if this was if this was any other story, that may be a problem, but that's the point. <laughs> it's like it would be like watching a Holocaust movie and everyone lives, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or a war movie and nobody gets shot or whatever. You know, like it's it's needed to show the extremity of the situation. Which, unfortunately, if some people have, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's another bit about Hugo Weaving here because he's playing the guard mm-hmm. and he's doing it with like a Northern Irish accent. And he does a really good job of changing his accent depending on the character that he's playing. Because he plays V, he plays the finger man that kidnaps her, and he says, like, gotcha, in a different voice. Mm-hmm. And then he does this guy, and then he also plays the uh, dude in the mask or whatever that goes and talks to the cops in a little bit. He can change his voice really well. I gotta hand it to him. When I first saw this, I had no idea that this was him. He also, remember at the end when Megatron shows up? He also voices Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> so versatile. <laughs> Oh. And he's like, I'll kill you, Optimus Prime and V. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf is running around his feet. <laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Actual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day when I brought that up on the show. <laughs> That's a great song. Well, I can't think of him as anything else now. <laughs> uh... Oh, no. Uh, I was trying to think of there's another accent that Hugo Weaving does, but I think that's it. But yeah, he's very good in this. I can't imagine James Purefoy doing that many voices. <laughs> yeah, can I, honestly, but then... And again, I like him. I just... If you can get Hugo Weaving, why not get Hugo Weaving? <laughs> Enough said, yeah. Very disappointed that he's not going to be in the new Matrix movie. At least he hasn't been announced. You never know. There could be... Could be some hiding of actors and characters. Maybe they're saving him. Him and Lawrence Fishburne. Really bummed that Lawrence Fishburne's not going to be in it, too. He's not? 
Oh, especially because his character survived the last movie. The two characters that died are being brought back. <laughs> but Morpheus survived. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have my own feelings about that. It looks like, I mean, it looks like, what's his name? Uh, Black Manta from Aquaman is going to be the new, the Candyman, that dude. Yeah. Looks like he's going to be the new Morpheus. I don't know. I, maybe it's just an avatar. Maybe we will see Lawrence Fishburne. I shouldn't be speculating because it's the Matrix. It's supposed to throw you off. I just don't have a good feeling about the cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, other than Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss, of course. And for me, like the love, their love story was one of the most boring things about yeah. the Matrix. So I really don't care about that. But then, you know, but then maybe this, maybe this new movie was not made for me. Maybe these crazy kids are going to find a way to make it work. <laughs> Finally, in their fifties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And here she chews him out for torturing her and imprisoning her. The way she runs away here, she looks like a little kid. Watch this. She runs away all stiff-armed and like, uh, like sniffing, like, "Hmm." (laughs) (laughs) come on, show it. Looks like she's a little kid that's about to have a tantrum. Well, she is very tiny and childlike. Maybe she already did that walk. I don't know. Like, I guess he takes her up to the roof in a second. Well, like, she skirted around him a little bit, very much like a scary (laughs) (laughs) It was funny, um, uh, Say side branch here, but like in uh, I think I heard in uh, Black Swan, um, like she said that she had spent most of her life growing up as an actress trying to get rid of her childlike voice because she had a very childlike cadence yeah. even when she became a young woman, and so like she worked with uh, um, speech therapists and whatnot and got rid of it so she could sound more adult. But then when she got the part in Black Swan, the director was like, "Well, you need to sound kind of like a kid." <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, just recently, a couple months ago, we watched The Professional. Oh, yeah. Or Leon, The Professional, whatever the fucking title is, depending on your country. Um, and I love the, I lo- fucking love her in that. She's uh, so good as that, like, world-weary child. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's seen more than she should. Yeah. Tell me, mister, is life always this hard or just when you're a kid? <laughs> <laughs> and she did do a fantastic job. And just like some of like the subtle acting, like when she's all trying to play grown up and she's talking to like the hotel concierge in that movie. And he's like, uh, he says something about her father and she goes, oh, yes. And she looks at her fingers. She goes, but he's not my father. And then she looks over at him. And she goes, he's my lover. <laughs> <laughs> and she, way, she does this movement with her eyes that is it's so much like a little kid pretending to be an adult. And she does it fucking perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, she's well. She's a really, really good actress, yeah. and she probably acted that role too good. Look at your throat. This is a trope called redemption in the rain. <laughs> I swear to God, it's a thing. It's a trope. <laughs> oh, I, I, I believe you. It's, it's a very, uh, yeah. It's very Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Um, have you ever been to TV Tropes? It's a website. I've heard of it, but I really don't visit it. Redemption. No, redemption equals death. Uh, redemption in the rain. There we go. <laughs> Jumped right up. Yeah. Uh, just that, that standard shot usually done from above via a crane that shows the character being gloriously and joyously rained on. Obviously symbolic of a baptism and a new life slash rebirth, most noticeable in the movie The Shawshank Redemption. This trope has been aggressively adopted by TV these days. You can almost count... 
on some character going through a life-changing event. There she is, putting her <laughs> arms up. And I like how it's in this, it's juxtaposed with, with uh, V's redemption and fire. I didn't notice that before, but yes. Well played. This may or may not be caused by the happy rain. That's another what trope. Happy rain? Uh, another trope. Oh, is that like when the leads get together in the end and it's raining on them? Contrast with partly cloudy with a chance of death. <laughs> <laughs> or cue the sun. <laughs> My favorite TV trope, I'm trying to find it, is called The Butt Monkey. No. <laughs> there it is, The Butt Monkey. <laughs> Dare I? A TV trope of The Butt Monkey is a character who is always the butt of a demeaning joke or the put-them-through-hell plotline. Oh, mm-hmm. So it's the character that's always in the short end of the stick. Uh, the butt monkey. The butt monkey. I didn't realize that's what that was called. The butt monkey is occasionally dangerous if they're pushed too far. Oh, no. If the audience sympathizes with them, however, the butt monkey becomes a wooby. A <laughs> Furthermore, if the audience begins to resent the unfair treatment of the butt monkey, they can become the designated monkey. Oh, yeah. So you can get promoted. <laughs> the, joke, the joke can also be dragged too far in other ways. To make a character a butt monkey of fate is one thing. To have them constantly taking the punishment for the misdeeds of an unsympathetic cast is another. However, if the audience relishes the character's misfortune and looks forward to seeing them suffer, congratulations, your butt monkey has devolved into the chew toy. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. I fucking love TV drama. <laughs> uh, once again, you learn all sorts of new things when you listen to Vertigo Voices. <laughs> I used to have a job... Where I I would uh, go out into the into uh, the community with people with disabilities, and I used to have to, have to just wait for like hours for paratransit vans to drop them off. And I would sit downtown at the plaza, and I'd sometimes have to wait an hour to two hours just for the drop off time because I had to be there at a specific time. But the transit lines don't care about my timeline; right. they'll just drop someone off whenever they can. And they have a window, but it's like an hour long window. So I would just sit there and I would have my, my Amazon Kindle and I would just read through TV tropes <laughs> while I was waiting. <laughs> Examples of butt monkey in comic books. <laughs> Examples of butt monkey in anime and manga. <laughs> a good way to pass the time. Yeah. In film, animated, film, live action. <laughs> They've got them all. So when you wonder about my encyclopedic knowledge of shit like this, <laughs> it didn't just come from nowhere. <laughs> It was research. Yeah, it came from a job with lots of free time. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, I always thought, chew, well, the way I've, I've heard chew toy before, but it was always used as a uh, um, slang for a, a, a person you think is attractive. Like a hot guy. What? <laughs> that's a new one to me. <laughs> there was a, when I went to Italy decades ago, there was another school group from Pennsylvania that went with us. And there was a, a click of girls there who every time they saw a hot Italian guy, they're like, oh, a total chew toy. So weird. Never heard it applied to a woman. But we are coming up on the grand finale, aren't we? I don't know. Probably another hour. <laughs> no, no from, from when she... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> got about 40 minutes. Okay. Wait, wait. 30. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, about 40 minutes. About an hour and a half. This is a little over two hours long, the movie. So this guy, um, what's his damn name again? Who? Him, 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 I him. Don't know. 
<laughs> you know everything. Come on. Uh, I think, you know, I, I recognize him vaguely, but he's like the only one of the little council here that I don't know his name right off the bat. I'm trying to look him up. Oh, it's Guy Henry. Guy Henry. He was in the Harry Potter movies. Perfect name. <laughs> like Guy Smiley from <laughs> Sesame Street. He's part of the eye in this. Oh, he played Grandma Tarkin in Rogue One. Oh. The Rector Krennic. There you have it. What else? Um, oh, he was in Rome. That's where I've seen him. I've never seen it. Really? Huh. That surprises me. Ray Stevenson was in it. <laughs> Uh, he was in some of the Harry Potters, apparently. Fucking Harry Potter. Fucking Harry Potter. Pious Thickness. Pious. How do you pronounce that? Thickness. 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 Like Tresemme, but thickness I don't know. Thickness Yeah, sure. Sure, why not? He's just gonna be Guy Thickness from now on. There you go. It sounds like a British porn star name. Or a hooligan. <laughs> it's guy thickness, governor. <laughs> huh. One of those British actors that has been in many things. Oh, he's also on Sherlock. It just dawned on me. Uh, Dominic there. Um, fuck is his name now. Just forgot it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Rupert Graves. Rupert Graves. Yeah, he plays Lestrade on Sherlock. Sherlock's a little cop buddy. Yeah, I, well, I, I've, I haven't watched a whole season of Sherlock. It's good to see that Dell has survived <laughs> into the future and Norse fire there. Oh, Dell. I'm pretty sure this computer. Yeah, this computer's a Dell. There you go. There you go. <laughs> my, uh, my Spider Jerusalem laptop is a Dell. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I, from what I understand, they work better than Macs, but I have a Mac and it drives me crazy all the time, so. I, uh, I don't know, I ordered this one about a year and a half ago now, and I did a lot of research and found that this is pretty much what I need. Oh yeah, this is the part, so this is all new, too. This is not, doesn't have a companion in the comic, but uh, this is Memorial. It's based on a some other Memorial, I can't remember what. But uh, the dude that they talk to here that's obviously V, but they don't know. Mm-hmm. There's another good, good example of uh, what's-his-fuck Hugo Weaving. Just being an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Acting his ass off. Motherfucker was in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, okay? I love that movie. He was in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and he was Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> Name me <There's>, another actor. <laughs> Guy Pierce and Terrence Stamp were in drag, and Megatron was dancing with them in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> it was a remarkable movie moment. <laughs> And he was in Captain America as Megatron. <laughs> Megatron again. Megatron Red Skull. One of my favorite bits of that, like, you know, he played Red Skull in Captain America. And then when they brought Red Skull back in Avengers Infinity War, they didn't even ask him. Because he was like, I fucking hated that makeup. I hated doing that. I didn't, I did, didn't enjoy it. So they didn't even ask him. And they just hired uh, Ross Marquand, who's on Walking Dead. They hired him to voice the role because they did everything else CGI. And uh, I've read an interview with him where they asked him, like, so what did you bring to Red Skull? Like, how did you interpret this? He's like, I just watched Captain America on a loop until I got his voice down. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to be Hugo Weaving. 
for this role because that's what it is. You know, it's, it's supposed to be the same character. Why would I do anything else? <laughs> and to his credit, he did a really damn yeah. good job. I, it took me a long time to realize that that was not the same voice. I mean, I kind of knew it was because I knew there was no way they were going to get Hugo Weaving back. But <laughs> I was like, that's a fucking great uh, impersonator. He, did. he also plays the role on What If? Uh, Ross Marquand does. Oh, does he? Yeah. I don't know if I'd recognize him if I saw him. It's what if it's an animated series? He plays well, the same. See, then I wouldn't. I wouldn't I'm, I'm saying him. He, he plays the same. He plays Red Skull in that too. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. You think I was talking about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled a little bit there. I'm back now. Epidemic kills 178. Emergency. Hey, how relevant is this? Yeah, Emergency riots. services on standby. Emergency service on standby. Eighty thousand dead. Riots again, like this could be today. Good boy. Amidst a uh, fucking uh, political upheaval. <laughs> History repeats itself again. Was Prothero made them all obscenely rich? Yes. The only thing that doesn't quite work about this is that there's a whole conspiracy theory about the. The uh, drug companies manufacturing the virus just so they can cure it. Yeah. Which probably wouldn't play too well today because I'm sure that conspiracy theory is already out there by some idiot. There are, I know several people who are like, yeah, man, that's exactly what happened. It's like, oh boy, boy, howdy. They put fucking demon microbes in your blood. <laughs> well, I'm. I got my booster last Sunday, and I am still upset that I cannot read the innermost thoughts of Bill Gates. All I got was a magnetic arm. God damn it! <laughs> Alas, it doesn't even look metal or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really nice when I have to pick up heavy loads. Oh man. Um, fucking. Oh, I was just gonna say something about that. The oh, the uh, congressman recently that said that. The vaccine has like spores that will spawn into little tentacle monsters in your blood. Yeah. What's yeah. well, an elected official <laughs> in the United States? That's what we are paying for. That's what that's what our our tax dollars pay the salary of that. Yes. Go to give them really good health care. So that's that's neat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a neat thing to have to deal with. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that's who represents us. Tim Pickup Smith. <laughs> Damn you, man! No. <laughs> I was gonna try to look up Toast of London saying that. <laughs> you should. I need to hear it. After I destroy Parliament, his only chance will be to offer God them someone it. else. Some other piece of meat. Uh, now look. I can't find it easily. Excuse me. I can't find it easily. Goddamn Mountain Dew. <laughs> I do have a. Uh, here, here's a Toast of London. I'm just going to play a little bit of this. All right. <laughs> Wait for just it. keep talking while I get this <laughs> Sorry. sorted. This is a long scene, and I just want to do a few seconds at the end here. So, yeah, for folks who have seen this, I hope you've seen this by now. If you haven't Everyone's seen this fucking seen this. Right, right. Or if you haven't, just don't admit to it. Just go watch it and you'll feel better. Hey, Sophia, have you seen this movie? Yes! 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 
Yes! Yes! Yes! <laughs> He's a voiceover actor. And so every once in a while, like most of the show is open with a cold open of him having to you know, sit in the voiceover box and uh, record some stupid thing from these sound editors. One of them is named Clem Fandango, which comes up over and over. So he's like, hello, Clem, or, hello, Steven, this is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? Like, yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one episode where he finally just freaks out at him. And he's like, fuck you, Clem Fandango, with your fucking made-up name. <laughs> They do have the best names in that show, apparently. Clem Fandango. <laughs> Who thinks of this stuff? But my favorite character in it is Ray Purchase, which is, which is uh, Toast's nemesis. Ray fucking Purchase. <laughs> I love the British. They're, they're so weird. <laughs> it's Matt Berry, man. Uh, his stuff is fucking amazing. Like, I, I think I mentioned to you uh, uh, da, 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 the... Um, that show, well, I did mention to you last episode, uh, Dark Place. Matt yes. Berry's in that. Okay. okay. And uh, he's great. Ray Purchase. I'm going to do the well, well, well. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we go. Ah, oh, goddammit. I wanted to yeah. find a quick clip of that, but it's taking me to like a... <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's taking me to like a 12-minute fucking video. I don't want to do that. I just want to see the well, well, well. We're going to make you dig through it. Just to reiterate, Natalie Portman has a wonderfully shaped head. That's a, a weird thing to say, but yeah. <laughs> well, there's some people, you know, when they shave their heads, you're like, yeah, you've got some... Just people have interesting skulls, let's put it that way. But, people have interesting skulls. Sophia Aldis. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. My, uh, my contribution to the commentary. I'm, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> Natalie Portman has an interesting sca- shaped head is like two sentences away from it would look nicely on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, freezer is best storage. And there's BFC again. <laughs> well, are. yeah, if you don't fucking process it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just poor taxidermy. If you're going to have it, you got to show it off. <laughs> right? It is, it is Natalie Portman after all. <laughs> oh, Snuffbox. That's another great Matt Berry series. Snuffbox? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you need to like make a list for me and just send text this stuff to me so I know what to watch. There's a little girl in the V mask. That's oh, another see. thing that doesn't happen in the comics. You don't see all the people with the V masks, which is another reason why those masks have become so uh, popular in pop culture is because of scenes like that of the guy wearing the mask at robbing the store and the little girl wearing it idea that it could be, like you said, any one of us. God so. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Colby is on a mission now. I wanted to find it with, with, uh, I wanted to find it with sound, but I can't, but it's like, he's like, right, fucking purchase. And it like zooms in on him and he goes, well, well, well. <laughs> and each of the wells, it zooms in on his face a little more. <laughs> fucking great. Oh, in this scene, like Stephen playing, uh, Stephen playing frisbee, and then Ray just runs up and kicks him in the balls, Jeez. and then he screams at him, "That's what making me look like a dog's nut back there." <laughs> Is this show still on? Uh, there's supposed to be a 
fourth season in the works called Toast of Hollywood. But I don't know if that's happened. Yeah! That's what fucking my wife! <laughs> for making me look like a dog! Get out back there! <laughs> 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 It's also a reoccurring joke that Stephen is constantly fucking Ray's wife. Who's <laughs> just named Mrs. Purchase. Mrs. Purchase. Do you ever see her? Or is she just yeah, she's in it all the time. Okay. And <laughs> I think it, oh, fuck, I want to get the line right. <laughs> because he says something when he's about to come. Oh, no. <laughs> We're all about accuracy here at Vertigo Voices. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, hang on, my balls are about to fizz! <laughs> oh, 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 God, no. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Oh. Oh. Now I have to get that image stuck in my head. That's almost scarier than anything we talked about in our last episode. <laughs> Are about to fizz. <laughs> uh, see, that's the kind of content you get here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> British humor, Oops. man. Oh, hey, here's the this fucking that the the what are those called? Dominoes. Jesus Christ, the dominoes. That's a very like famous scene from this movie. That giant domino board that they really set up and really flicked over. <clears throat> they had like a domino expert or whatever do it. I'm sure it took a while. I I wonder how many takes they did. That's a good question. That's a really cool cool image, and it also really makes no fucking sense in the context of the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> why would man, if he's got shit to do? Why would he spend days setting this up? <laughs> <laughs> and if you accidentally like messed it up and had to start yeah. over again, be like fuck. <laughs> but it does look cool. It takes one. Yeah, we uh, missed the part where Bullock's girl got shot. Yeah. Wee little Bullock's. Which, again, if you think about it for 2005 blockbuster movie, seeing a little girl get yeah. shot in the back. Oh, you know. a kid gets shot by a cop. Um, you know? Mm. That's, mm. Wasn't as uh, wasn't as prominent in the news as it is now. It fucking happened, but we just didn't talk about it. Right. Tonight's <laughs> your big night. You ready for it? Are we? <laughs> Well, we're going to have to be. Otherwise, we don't have an ending. I like that little quiet moment of V alone. Almost almost questioning himself, but then also knowing that he has to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Is he questioning or is he saying goodbye? Kind of. I don't know. Maybe a little both. But I just, the way, the way he's, the way it's shot, the way he's posed, it, to me, there's the implication of doubt. And that he's kind of either psyching himself up or, again, just just questioning if he knows what he's... Or if, questioning if he's ready to go to the lengths that he's been talking about for years, you know? Right, right. And that is good acting and directing. Yeah. I mean, because, again, that's like... It's hard to act just with your face. Yeah, you I'm can't, sorry. You, you can't see... <laughs> You can't see an inch of his skin, you know? Right. <laughs> and the fact that that level of, uh, I guess, interpretation can be brought to a role of him literally just sitting in a room, <laughs> looking down while uh, you can't see anything about him. Like, that's it's good acting. I don't even know how to describe it because it's, again, I don't, I don't even know if it's really acting because of 
the fact that you can't see anything. Right, right. Body movements. I don't know. I don't know how to describe that, but it's all it's all part of the whole, I guess. Yeah. Fucking making movies, man. <laughs> making movies well. With Tim Pickup Smith. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't it be great if at the end they that's how they read the credits? Yeah. Natalie Portman. Hugo Weaving. Matt Berry re- reading off their names. Yeah. Tim Pickett Smith! Tim Pickett Smith. <laughs> what happens to Evie at the end of the comic? I she can't... becomes the new V. That's right. That's right. Okay. She becomes V and she kidnaps Dominic to be her new sidekick. And in this, apparently that was either toyed with or maybe even filmed, but it was cut out. And also, because the, the inspector in the comic, he you know goes crazy with the LSD, finds V, shoots him, and then's like, I won! And then kind of wanders away. You don't see him again until the, like the epilogue. And it shows that Britain has uh, become like an anarchic state. And you see him just kind of wandering around with the people. He says something, I can't remember what. Like, yay, anarchy! We're all cool now. <laughs> Which that's another thing. So the the movie is all you know all about obviously the totalitarian government and how the people need to take back take back power and all that. But in the, the comic is decidedly anti government on every level. Mm-hmm. Like no, we should not be governed. Period. Our only governance should be anarchy, um, because all all anarchy means is no government, and that we should be trusted individually to make our own decision. Blah blah blah. Like. Again, like I, I get that conceptually, but like that doesn't work. Like we're we're a society. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ideally, of course, that's how it would be because you'd think everyone we'd all rise to that level of morality where we yeah don't yeah, exactly. fuck with each other, but we can't help ourselves yeah. <laughs> apparently. And yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the real world. The opposite of dystopia is not always utopia right it's just the best we can do right <laughs> and uh and you know we we are not there right now and who knows if we'll ever get to that level of just pure uh what's the word acceptance altruism whatever like I, you know, it would be great to not have to rely on a government but we also just the real world with their sickness and uh right. <laughs> and people who need help Right, exactly. And natural disasters. <laughs> How are you going to deal with a natural disaster with no government? Right, right. No FEMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we're just not, we're not good at, at tolerance, much less acceptance. So. Yeah, exactly. What usually happens when people without guns stand up to people with guns? Oh, boy. Again, well, another, another very pointed remark about Today's over-militarization of the police. Oh, yeah. Which, that's another thing that it kind of breaks my heart a little. I like that line there that Dominic has. Just now in the movie, an hour and 50 minutes into it, he says, it's all gone wrong, hasn't it? Like, he's just, it's just now dawning on him that his government has failed incredibly. And <laughs> that's, that's an interesting... Uh, interesting perspective to bring into it because again if you are part of this society you're not gonna probably notice the cracks if you're not looking for them right exactly bread and circus mm-hmm. and that's again that's another thing like with 
the constant televisions that are always on in every scene that shows the larger society in here. Yeah. It's just that constant pumping of news and entertainment to keep people from questioning. Exactly. Yeah, Pride and Circus, like you said, yeah. Um, well, you know, just numbing out is, again, not the healthiest, but it is very, very easy. Well, I don't know. It takes some practice. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, you do it enough and you get real good at it. <laughs> yeah, right. Expert. Yeah. <laughs> Truth is, you made me understand that I was wrong. And the choice to pull this lever is not mine to make. So blow up Parliament. Yeah, there you go. That's some commitment right there. <laughs> that was uh, So, you know, Guy Fawkes, famous for trying to blow up Parliament and getting caught. Um, his, uh, the joke for hundreds of years has been that he was the only man to go into parliament with, uh, noble intentions. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Yeah. (laughs) The one thing that this movie forgets about Guy Fawkes and that this reading of his story, uh, the one thing that this forgets is that he wasn't trying to blow. I mean, there was other conspirators. They weren't going there to blow up Parliament for some altruistic reason of freeing people. They were actually trying to instill a much more oppressive government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. that's a good point. Yeah, it he's... would uh, it would be like the KKK being al- or being uh, uh, abdicated by the Taliban, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> trading one evil for another. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and so like that. Yeah, like it's a fun story to be like, oh, this guy was trying to. To fight for what he believed in, but what he believed in was intolerance and, uh, <laughs> and like death to the uh, religious minorities. Exactly. I, I, I can't remember if he was Protestant or Catholic or whatever. Whatever the fucking opposing view was at the time, that's what he was. I want to say he was a Protestant, but watch me be wrong. And his name was actually Guido Fox. That's <laughs> true! <laughs> Here, wait. I'll see if I can find his signature. I've actually seen this. Yeah, there we go. Ah, there's a signature. See? That's how he signed his name. That was before torture, and that's after torture. <laughs> after he was caught. Jeez. <laughs> Fucked with his writing hand. No, I was totally wrong. He was a Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second. A Catholic trying to bring about an oppressive regime <laughs> against non-believers? Nuh-uh. I, I don't believe it. <laughs> Not them. Not them. This kind of bums me out, too. The fact that they just show Sutler as already being caught. Mm. There's obviously, I mean, Guy, or uh, Guy, Jesus, V made his deal with Creedy and brought Sutler down. So I get why they didn't show that. But it just, it feels like to have that happen off screen and completely out of the hands of our main characters is kind of a missed opportunity. I think so. Yeah. Very anticlimactic. And again, that's not that's not how it's done in the comic. Although, again, it's completely out of the hands of our protagonist in the comic, also because he's assassinated by uh, the wife of that one guy. Yeah, well, Eddie Marson. Eddie Marson. <laughs> that's the character's <laughs> name, Eddie Marson. <laughs> oh, there's Valerie's rose. There you go, Mister Pretty. And that is the end of Mr. Hurt. Makes his exit. Oh, this is the movie. God damn it. I'm trying to find a comment. I wanted to look up. I, I like uh, Creedy's line here. 
with it's time to have a look at your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so use it. See the line. You've your knives and your fancy kung fu. <laughs> fancy kung fu. <laughs> We've got guns. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's coming up here soon. Then it, uh, me and that. <laughs> You're not afraid of death. <laughs> I hope his voice sounds exactly like the this when I watch it. The only thing you and I have in is that we're both about to die. <laughs> How you can imagine that's going to happen with my hands around your neck? <laughs> Bring it, <laughs> ballast! ballast. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, huh? You've got you've, uh, you've got nothing, nothing but your bloody knives and your fancy karate gimmicks. You've <laughs> 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 got guns. <laughs> no, you have bullets, and I hope that when your guns are empty, I'm no longer standing. Because if I am, you'll be dead before you've reloaded. <laughs> And here it comes. That'd be, wouldn't it be great if there was a dojo named that? Karate gimmicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just gets blown to shit. <laughs> he does, yes. I guess his mask is armored, and then he has, like, what that... Is that armor from his... From his little knight armor? Oh, yeah, yeah. But there was definitely some bloody squibs on his arms there. Indeed, My indeed. Turn. We got the trailers or the the tracers on the knives. Like <laughs> that the is Matrix. very. <laughs> yeah, that is very two thousands. The flying back. I don't think there was that much force, but whatever. He's <laughs> kind of super heroic there. <laughs> that's really that's a really cool image though, and I like the blood there. Like ah, that's a good arterial spray. <laughs> and again, that's like the thing now with um. Well, just a lot of comic book movies are so bloodless. Yeah. <laughs> I like the yeah. the guy next to him is like shit. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah. it's like I opt out. I opt out. Still reloading. See, and like he's so strong, like he picks the guy up yeah. with his knife and tosses him aside. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that, is a good one. that is a good one. Yes. Just for his hand there. And like we've discussed before, this is shot at night or supposed to be at night. Yeah, and it's all dark. Everyone's wearing black and you can still tell what's yeah, going on. Very well lit and very well, yeah, shot. I, yeah, it's very good. Why won't you die? Because I am an idea. More than flesh. <coughs> you do it better, Hugo Weaving, than I do. Mr. Creedy. <laughs> Ideas up. Now here you die, scared and bloody. <laughs> I remember reading about the comic, right? Due to his LSD-induced epiphany, <laughs> Finch <laughs> leaves his position, uh, his position with the, no- the nose. Power struggle between the remaining leaders resulted in all of their deaths. Harper betrays and kills Creedy at the behest of Helen Hare. Yeah, that's the wife mm. of the eye, Conrad Hare, who has outbid Creedy for Harper's loyalty. Harper and Conrad Hare kill each other during a fight precipitated by Hayer's discovery that his wife Helen had an affair with Harper. The fate of the top government officials known to the public, Stone acts as leader of the police forces, deployed to ensure the riots are contained, should V remain alive, blah, blah, blah. Trying to V. God damn it. <laughs> so I thought that that happened. I'm trying to find when Susan dies. Damn it, Susan. 
decides not to... Oh, there we go. Sure enough, as Susan stops to shake hands with Rose during the parade, she shoots him in the head in vengeance for the death of her husband and the life she has had to lead since then. Following Rose's arrest, Creedy assumes emergency leadership of the country and Finch emerges from the subway, proclaiming V's death. Ta-da! Book ends with Finch quietly observing the chaos raging in the city and walking down an abandoned motorway whose, li- uh, whose lights have all gone out. So it's and close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Destroyed the government to have destruction. The end. <laughs> yeah, I've done what I set out to do. Uh, and I do like that the movie also brings that up. The fact that, like, uh, at the end of the day, you don't really care about changing the government. You just want revenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, the title is V for Vendetta. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Well, like you mentioned earlier, it's not an altruistic mm-hmm. for every man thing. And again, I like I like the gray there. Um, right. That his his goals and ideas may align with yours somewhat, but at the end of the day, you've also kind of got to re-examine all sides of of whatever you know. Like, is that better than what they had? What parts of it are better? What parts of it weren't? You know, it, obviously, uh, uh, the whole intolerance to others is terrible and that should be eliminated. But then if you have complete anarchy where there's people dying in the streets, is that better? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's complicated. (laughs) And it's not, it's not, again, not no black and white. Right. Right. Yeah. Fucking great. I'm not going to claim to have the answer. Yeah. This is a good shot too, coming up here. Um, if you're going to have a funeral pyre, why not make it a subway full of explosives and roses? I mean, go out big. Yeah, I think in one version of the story, it wasn't Finch that finds her. It was Dominic. Oh. In one version of the ending. Because Dominic just kind of peace outs after he <laughs> drops him off. He's like, and I'm done. And he's not, I mean, he's not super important to the story overall, other than just being Finch's... Uh, you know, somebody he can talk to. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, he's, he's the Watson to the Sherlock. Yeah. Somebody would be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Well, here's why. <laughs> <laughs> By George Holmes. From the High Chancellor. He was right. About what? And again, that idea of hope is much more in the movie than it is the book. Right. <laughs> Like the people need uh, need a spark to ignite their interest in taking back their government, and it, it, the movie's all about taking back government to make it work for the people. The book is all about destroying the government yeah. so that people can govern themselves. And uh, you know, like again, it, one of those makes way more sense to me than the other because <laughs> we I, we live in in a big world of big cities and lots of people. There needs to be some governing there. That just has to be there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not living in caves like we did thousands of years ago, uh, living on fish that we catch and deer that we shoot with our bows and arrows. Right. It's much more complicated than that. And the possibility that the clan or tribe next door could come over and kill you all and, you know, yeah. enslave you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a reason we got to a point collectively as a species <laughs> where we have governments and societies and whatnot. It's like, Patton Oswalt has a whole thing about uh, religion. 
And he, he's like, you know, I'm a stone cold atheist, but he's like, but I love religion, like unabashedly. I'm not being, I'm being like a, uh, uh, what's the word? Like I'm, I'm not being facetious here. He's like, but I, I love religion because it started, uh, back in the day. It was just biggest and strongest. That's it. You know, the biggest and strongest guys going, I'm having rape for dinner. <laughs> it's like, that's where we are as a society. That's, that's as far as we were going to go. It's like, and some dude, a weakling like me, came up and was like, hey, you know, you could kill me and take my shit and eat my food. But if you don't, when you die, you'll go to a magical place in the sky and you'll get cake. <laughs> and he goes, and the big guy's like, I like cake. <laughs> like, and there you go. That's religion. That's all it is. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I think I remember that. That uh, um, there wasn't there another part too. Like you know, if you fall down, it's like, oh, you fell down. Here, let me help you up, and you know, give you some of my fish. And you're like, oh, cool, I like fish. You know, something like that. It wasn't in that bit, but I don't know. I because then he takes it further, and he's like, and then, and then you get people like going off and be like, oh, have you? Uh, have you heard about the uh, Sky Baklava? It's like, fuck Sky Baklava, it's Sky Cake, motherfucker! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you have the Dessert Wars, and uh, that's a big whole thing. It's like, and then it's like, you know, like, wait a second, how come he gets Sky Cake? Like, because we believe in Sky Cake over here. Like, no! Your Sky Cake isn't as good as my Sky Cake! I, my Sky Cake only tastes good if I know that you don't get your Sky Cake! <laughs> Oh, oh, that rings more true than... <laughs> yeah, and still it goes on. <laughs> oh, here comes the dead people coming back. Ta-da. That was Evie's parents. Uh, there's... Oh, that was That was Valerie. Uh, maybe? <laughs> maybe? Is that the little girl? No, you'll see her. She has a glasses. Yeah. Oh, there's Dominic. There's the little girl's parents. There's uh, the gay couple that were... Oh, there's uh, Don, uh, Dietrich. Oh, yes. There's a little girl. There she is. All right. That's Valerie. There they are. Best fireworks show ever. Yeah, that's like a very interesting, you know, like kind of metaphorical ending of the, uh, the whatever, the dead celebrating their victory in death. It's the spirit that lives on. Q Street Fighting Man! G7! <laughs> oh, yeah, see, based on the graphic novel Illustrated by David Lloyd. Published by Vertigo. I think this may have been the first one that he took his name completely off of. Oh. Because before this was Leave Extraordinary Gentleman, and uh, From Hell was before that. That's right. His name's on From Hell, and I think his name's on LXG, but that was the one that was. Such a negative experience that he said, "Fuck all this! I don't want money from any any uh, adaptation. Don't put my name on this. Don't ever talk to me. <laughs> Leave me out of this." I remember Tim Pickett Smith. Okay. No, Tim Pickett Smith. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> uh, uh, Eddie Marsden. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, remember? Oh, I remember uh, Zack Snyder's comments about Watchmen. And he was like, you know, worst case scenario, uh, uh, because, you know, obviously Alan Moore wanted nothing to do with him in that movie. Alan Moore had actually talked shit about 300 before then, because he was like, you know, that that book is full of uh, homophobia and overt racism. And from what I've seen, the movie doesn't do anything to detract from that. It just piles more on. Ah. He's like, so I don't want to, don't want that person adapting this movie. And uh, Zack Snyder said like, oh, hopefully, you know, 
Worst case scenario, in a few years, she'll pop in the DVD in London or whatever and uh, watch it and think, yeah, it wasn't that terrible. And Alan Moore's response is like, first of all, I'm from Northampton. I don't live in London. (laughs) I think it's Northampton. And second of all, that's not even close to the worst thing that can happen because I'm never going to watch the fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Chad Stileski played Storm Saxon. He, um is the creator hold on oh he also yeah yeah sorry he was an actor uh so he is the director of the john wick movies oh yeah. oh i knew i'd heard that name before that's funny he was storm saxon he also probably did stunts on this probably david uh what's his name yeah the stunt double oh yeah that's the other director of so they co-directed uh the first john wick or maybe the second i don't know they both worked on both of those. They and did. then David Leash, Leith, whatever his name is, he went on to do uh, uh, Deadpool. Blonde? Yeah, it's Harvick Blonde and Deadpool 2. Oh, okay. Um, which actually makes a lot of sense because they got, they got like super famous for The Matrix. That's right. And this was a Wachowski's production, so yeah, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> Didn't one of them... Oh, I was going to say one of them... Uh, uh, directed... Murder and eat the other, yes. <laughs> now they're one being. <laughs> they fused. Like Highlander rules. <laughs> you took the power of the other. Ravenous rules. That's a good horror movie, Ravenous. Oh, man, yeah. Why didn't we talk about that? Because I didn't watch it this year. No, neither did I. <laughs> I should have, though. I think I will when I go home. Good. Fantastic movie. But um, no, um, didn't one of them direct or produce... Um, I want to call it Stomp. It's not Stomp, but it's the... Uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth action movie in India. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. Those are the Russos. Oh, okay. Uh, that was... Fuck. What, that movie's getting a sequel. What the fuck was it called? Uh, Stomp. Ex- extraction. <laughs> extraction, yes. It was yes. really good. That's some, like, amazing action in that. It did. It it grew on me. I was kind of... I wasn't really into it at first, but I gave it a second rewatch, and I was like, I don't know what was wrong the first time I watched it. It was directed by Sam Hargrave, who is of the same ilk as those two guys he was uh, a stuntman who became a director the shared stuntman universe yeah exactly yeah the stuntman cinematic universe directors (laughs) and i mean that that makes sense because you get really good action from people who know about action (laughs) you know know how to film it and how to act it yes Uh, i was gonna look up james mcteague the director of this because his name was all but completely absent in the promotion of this. Because oh. it was just the Wachowskis, man. It's the fucking Wachowskis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking makers of the Matrix, dude. Come on. Right, right, <laughs> so right. uh, he did Ninja Assassin, which I really enjoyed. It's a movie with Rain. Rain. South Korean pop star. Oh, I did uh, not. He plays an assassin of this. He had an ongoing rivalry with uh, Stephen Colbert on his old show. Stephen Colbert would occasionally just go, RAIN! <laughs> I think it was a one-sided rivalry. <laughs> he had no idea. Yeah, it was fucking hilarious. Anyway, he was a ninja assassin, uh, and James McTeague directed that. And Rain was also in Speed Racer, directed by the Wachowskis. Oh, there you go. Ooh, he did The Raven. That was not good. <laughs> You're trying to do The Crow, but... No, uh, it's Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, Murder oh. Mystery. Oh, John Cusick said yeah, that, right? It's yeah. terrible. Oh, dear. Poor guy. Uh, Survivor. I have not seen that. I've heard it was terrible. It's with uh, Resident Evil Girl and old James Bond. <laughs> Breaking In. Isn't that... Oh, no, never mind. 
Gabrielle Union. I never saw that. Oh, well, I think I did see that one. I definitely did not. I remember it, but I didn't see it. Um, anyway, he's so he's had kind of a, an okay career. He worked, he worked on Sense Eight, which is the Wachowskis Netflix series. Have you seen it? I haven't. I watched the first episode and I was like, "All right, this is going to take some commitment." <laughs> I'm gonna, and I just never went back. <laughs> it was one of those. I, I think I watched the first episode and I was like, "If I don't watch this all in like one chunk, I'm going to be so fucking lost." Because there's like <laughs> ten main characters. Eight main characters. Sense eight, get it? Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of main characters, and I just couldn't follow. I'm like, I I can't watch this like week to week or wait gaps between seasons. So I'll just wait till it's all done and watch it all. Now it's been done for a few years, and I have not gone back and watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those you can't like watch one episode and then skip a week. And... Probably not. Yeah. It was very complex. I'll watch it eventually, maybe, possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> there's a there's a, a coin toss. I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> it's like, uh, reminds me of an Always Sunny bit with uh, Dennis. Talking about this time he went down on a girl in high school. And he's like, it was awesome, okay? It was awesome. It was really, really good. It was, it was great. It was, it was good. It was all right. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was, all, it was okay. <laughs> oh, another great show. <laughs> All right, I think we're done. I mean, the fucking credits are still going, but they're going to go for another half an hour. No, it's not. But anyway, <laughs> um, like and subscribe. Listen to the fucking podcast. Give us five stars. V for Vendetta. There it is last time. Um, uh, email us, vertigovoices at gmail.com. Find us on social media, Vertigo Voices. All that good stuff. I'm trying to go fast because we're like way over two hours. That's <laughs> too long. Too long. Let's try on a road trip. It's too long. <laughs> Vertigo, but only if you don't have anything else to do. Oh, the, the, this is a Vertigo, <laughs> too, for our rating. It's a Vertigo for me. I really like this movie. It is very good. Well done. Read the comic, watch the movie, see the differences and how they connect and blah, blah, blah. They're, they're both solid entries. They're both very good. They're both fine. They're, <laughs> they're both fine. okay. They're, they're good. They're, just, they're fine. It's good. <laughs> All right, we're done. Goodbye. Bye.